Should I do the intro, Geeker? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hello there, wrestling fans. And welcome to the last week, last day of NYWC week. Welcome to the internationally known Dudes at Ringside podcast. I am their host, Joe Panther Jr. And welcome, my co-host, the happy heel himself, the Metal Geek. What's going on, Ringside crew? What's going on, Dudes at Ringside podcast? What's going on? We got a special guest here with us here today. Joe? Should I do the honors? Of course. This special guest is the heart and soul of the NYWC. Give a warm welcome, dudes at ringside, welcome to Dickie Rods. Hey, everybody. How are you guys? Hey, what's going on, Dickie? Welcome. Going on, dude? Absolutely, man. Not much going on here. Just, you know, we got done with a night of training over here at the training academy and, um, just doing our thing. How are you guys doing? What's going on? What's new? Then uh, now we're internationally known, known all over the world. Sort sort of. Gotta get gotta get a little further, but it always comes back to we and geek. We sit in the oak the uh, Deer Park Center and just go back. Tell geek we gotta have an NYWC week. And actually worked in the it worked in a in a funny mysterious way. We had stockade as got a stockade as our guest. And then, and then Jason, the old ring announcer, became the guest on Monday. And then, boom, told me about you. And I was just like, let's just call it NYWC Week. We, we're going to honor our favorite promotion living on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Well, you know, hey, man, uh, I'm I'm pretty excited that you guys were fans of NYWC back in the day. I know that we, we've spoken before about it in, in, like, little small, you know, details that um, – you know, you were back in the shows. I, I believe uh, 2007, I think, was one of the years we were talking about in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back in those times, NYWC was actually uh, very, very popular um, and probably the hottest thing on the Northeast at, at, for a good portion of time. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm NYWC. But, you know, at, at, at that point, you had guys that, that, that made it to the bigger stages and, uh, you know, WWE or what have you. And. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, you know they we they were unknowns, and you guys were coming to Deer Park Community Center, and seeing these guys before they became stars, and you recognized their talent, and and you know much like we did, you know, um, you know in the back, and it's like you know we had a lot of fun back then. It was very very different. Um, the world is different now, obviously. So we were we were able to get away with a lot of different things back then, and um, the internet wasn't as hot as it is now, and it was much easier to keep a secret. And um, I mean, plus to, you know, at that, you know, independent wrestling wasn't all over blasted all over dirt sheets at that point where, you know, on the internet, like it is now where we could, you could ruin a surprise where somebody's just been released from the WWE and maybe we got their hands on them or whatever. Uh, so, you know, being able to talk to you guys, you know, off the show and some of the, the, the posters you had sent from the past too. I mean, Oh, <laughs> instantaneous <laughs> memories from all those times. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, Matt Cordona, Zach Ryder, and, and, and Brian, My- Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins before they were stars. Uh, you know, Trent, when he was Plasma at the time. 
you know, um, guy, you know, Mike Mondo um, before he got to the Spirit Squad. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys were around for 2003, but he was, you know, he left in 2000. You want to talk about the fastest guy to come out of. Wrong the- picture, Geek. Ah, <laughs> yes. wrong, wrong picture. That's our last one of our old guests. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're showing old guests? What? The, you're covering me? You're stopping me from talking to showing old guests? I've got, I've got I, got, I got this picture from an NYWC picture that I uh, I took with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Okay. Okay. Was, and and they, they were heels at that moment. And I'm like, can you please, can I please take a picture with you? They're like, okay, fine. They were so likable. And also... Me and Mikey Whipwreck. Oh, wow. Mikey Whipwreck. There you go. Good old Mikey. I was actually trying to get the old posters, see if I could cue those up. But, you know, I don't think I had them on there. So, on the computer. Uh, listen, we know what it's like. I mean, I, I would love to show the people, you know, things like that from back in the day. But, hey, man, I, we'll be able to describe it through words and stuff, you know, and excitement, I, I, I would assume. Because, I mean, you know, just um, it's like, you know, the lineage of the company, um, there would be other companies not around right now if it wasn't for NYWC and the start here. And, um, you know, NYWC in a lot of ways was a breaking off point um, for stuff that's t- that's here today in the Northeast area. Uh, without NYWC, a lot of things wouldn't exist or be there. Um, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, you had, you know, some of the owners and some of the guys that used to wrestle on the Northeast um, before even I had joined uh, wrestling in 2000, uh, they even say there's a connection from the past within like the late nineties, I'd say even back to ECW that connects right to NYWC. And it's, 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 when you think about it, it's really amazing. And that, and that, you know, there is a story to tell there. And I think in the near future, hopefully the near future, um, the NYWC company will be able to tell that story um, in future projects. Because again, um, we were talking off camera. Uh, the NYWC has, you know, it, it finds a way. And I think a lot of it, a lot of the times this company runs in silent. A lot of the stuff isn't put out there where um, fans of the company, uh, workers from around the world or the country, whatever you want to say, see this stuff. But this company is growing. It's still growing, even in the times of COVID and, you know, the pandemic and everything, shut everything down. Um, it's found a way to grow even through the hardest times. And one of the biggest growths that we've experienced is production, where now we can take our, our brand and, and really bring it into social media and, and try to get to the forefront of independent wrestling, where everything is seen more, you know, and, and that was something we couldn't, we couldn't get that exposure when I was new in my first the five to 10 years of being in wrestling. You know, everything, the way technology has advanced, it's, it's very easy to get yourself out there earlier on. I didn't have that opportunity to do that. So when, you know, we had to evolve with the times and we finally were able to find a way to evolve with the times. And it took a pandemic to do it, to be honest with you. In my opinion, it took a pandemic to really make us go, okay, well, what's our next move? And, um, you know, Shane turned around and said, well, we're going to put out a, we're going to put on a show. We're going to, we're going to go into we're going, to go to the, we're going to go to the building. It'll be a close-set uh, environment. And it was a challenge for the workers. And I think every one of the guys, every one of the wrestlers rose up to that challenge where they've never experienced it before. And even me, I had never experienced uh, going out in front of nothing except an empty, uh, you know, to use a lack of a better term, an empty arena, an empty sportatorium, um, and wrestle 
and have no, you know, and they talked about it on dirt sheets and, you know, write-ups, you know, AEW is wrestling without fans, WWE is wrestling without fans. It's very hard. And it, it, it's true. You know, when you're sitting there and you're wrestling, it's like shooting a movie because now you have these cameras, you have a hard cam in front of you, you have the floater cam and you don't have people. So you can't feed as a performer. You want to feed off those people. We didn't, just didn't have that. So, uh, you know, I think the guys that were here, the NYWC originals, the guys that, that you know, started here, they, they, they broke into the business here. Um, it was a new experience, and I think they all did very, very well. And I think uh, also at the same time, the production team did very, very well to put everything together. And, and again, I'm sitting here with this background that I could be sitting in my house. I could be sitting in a basement. I can be in my car. I could be anywhere with you guys right now. So I took the opportunity to talk to uh, the second in charge of production, say, hey, man, you know, I, I, I got to do this podcast. Now, I call everybody a man, by the way, but this person's a woman. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, again, hey, man, you know, I have an idea. I'm doing this podcast, you know, and I don't normally do. First of all, I, I believe here's a tip. But I hate like video. I hate seeing me on video. It's so hard to even think about that because, you know, I wrestled for so long that I, I can't watch myself. Mm. So to come up with this concept, hey, you know, let's use what we have in front of us that we've been doing through this whole pandemic and blast this out. And I think it looks great. And I think we've again, it's showing that, you know, hey, even though NYWC is a small uh, territorial promotion, it's you know, it's, it's we're based out of Long Island. Um, it it we're, we could be bigger. And we're going, and I, I truly believe with the guys that we have, we can be bigger, we will be bigger. And I think the first step is having this great production team. Mm -hmm. That's just the one thing I'm like, I've been telling Geek, like, um, was another person that mentioned, like, that there could be another show, um, an outdoor show, maybe. And I was just telling Geek, I had, I dropped off his facade in the background like this for him. And I said to him, dude, when that comes back, we, we have to buy a ticket. We have to be there. We, yeah. we, we're like, it, we're doing this podcast now. We're getting our names out there. People know us. People are wanting to meet us. It yeah. sounds kind of mean to say this. I'm going to say this right now, mic drop. I think right now we're more popular than the NYW street team was. NYW street team. Even something like that brings you back to a point where – just think about what you're saying. We needed a street team back in those days where yeah. there is no street teams anymore because one, the problem with the quote unquote street team is that you can't put anything up anymore legally. And now yes. everything is done through the internet. So it's like, you know, that's one thing that I wish I could, I could get through to guys that are breaking in and, 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 and guys that are, are um, you know, I would say within their first five years of wrestling, you know, oh, you know, I'm paying my dues. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Listen, paying your dues is different in every generation of wrestling. And, and you know, this right now, right here is getting myself out there and getting exposure. Back then it was getting a, a stupid ass flyer, excuse me, on a telephone pole at a busy intersection and you had a bunch of them. So it was, you know, it caught the eye of everything, but at the same time you had to get it into storefronts and everything else like that. And it's like, times have changed so much. It's changed so drastically that I wish they could understand how much work was put in that. The fact that you even just said street team. Yeah. My mind. I totally forgot about it. They were so, that's not horrible. They were so catty. It was a girl and a bunch of Lance. 
geek remember I, I remember geek we'd walk over them hey guys can we hang out with them they're like how no. many shows have you been to no you can't hang out with us and i'm like now if they would came up to us oh can we hang out with you no because <laughs> Hang out because I want to be still around because I don't. I, I they're probably like, watching this podcast right now. Good. And so you're taking off your hat. You have no hair. I want to take off my hood. I'm losing my hair. Eh, time too much I time. Hate yeah, we, I, me and Geek, me, me and Geek have so many memories of NYWC. Like, I met Mikey, meeting Mikey Whipwreck for the first time with my dragon shirt on. I told this to Damien Dragon. I had a dragon shirt on, and he loved his dragon shirts. Mm-hmm. I was there. I was like, I'm gonna. My friend's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm gonna give him the shirt. So I was like, Mikey, I'll, can I? I want to trade you a shirt for NYWC shirt. And I always, I'm such a dedicated fan. I only want enough money to get my ticket. So I wore, I brought the shirt. I'm, like, I'm gonna trade Mikey Whipwreck a shirt. I'll maybe he'll let me trade. So I was like, Mikey, like my shirt, and he's like, Oh yeah, oh, nice. Oh, oh. And he walked around me and he was like, Oh, the dragon's on the back. Oh man, that's real. And the fire's coming out of the mouth. Oh, oh. Was so that I, supposed to be? I, I just need to interrupt. Was that supposed to be Mikey Whipwreck? Yeah. Anyway, I would, but uh, I, I, I can't. I can't. I'm like, what? Why? And he goes. You don't have a, you wouldn't have a shirt on. We, we can't we can't let you in the rec center with a shirt on. Oh, oh. and I was like, I wonder if Mikey would remember some some dude trying to get into the Denver community center without a shirt on. I would have walked in and just said, "Give me the shirt. I'll guess I'll go in the bathroom and change." But it was a cool. It was a Janko. It was a Janko dragon shirt with a dragon wrapped around the whole body of the shirt. He liked it. Yeah, I was about to say, he had to have liked that shirt. You wore them all the time. He was just like, oh, oh, oh. He was like, and that was like my fun first meeting because I had the DVD mm. and like, and I got him to sign it. And I was just like, oh my God, meeting the man that was in ECW with the man, the fireball guy. He's always like, the fireball guy, man. Yeah. I was, like, I told him earlier about the fireball. Did Mikey throw a fireball at one of the psycho surgeries? Because I remember him throwing a fireball at one of them. It's very possible that he did. Nothing's coming to my head right now because. When I think of fireballs, I think of Mikey throwing one in my face at the Sportatorium, which is you know where I'm at now. I mean, I it, you know back back in the Deerport Community Center, the only time I remember seeing a fireball was a, a, a promo they had cut in one of the Deerport Community Center um, offices. Uh, they had done a fireball spot. I think Crusher and Mikey were involved in that. And Mikey was mostly in a shower. And they open a shower curtain looking for him, and there he is. He popped a fireball out. But no, nah, I honestly, it's so hard to remember, you know, details about everything that's happened uh, so long ago. But yeah, no, I don't remember. I don't remember the Deep Work Community Center, but I do remember when we got here, we had more leeway because it was our own building, so we could do whatever the hell we wanted to do. But um, if he did, I'd like to find out. I'll probably ask about that after I'm done here and, and see if he actually did. I just don't remember. Because I remember something like that. Like at one, It was one of the Psycho Circus matches, I remember. At, it was towards the end. Well, if, if you remember, then I'm sure it happened. Yeah. I mean, I probably wasn't in that Psycho Circus match. So I probably, it's, that's probably why it's escaping my brain. But, uh-huh. um, I mean, we had some crazy shit happen in Psycho Circus. I mean, uh, there was uh, – do you guys remember Mike Spinelli? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Mike Spinelli, um, I, I, I believe this happened two years in a row. 
But Mike, Mike's been only got cut, uh, busted open during two cycle circuses. And, and probably the uh, one of the, the most hardcore memories I could remember. Um, so he gets busted open. I think I was in the circus. So I, I just don't remember that part. But I remember him getting cut open. And it was so bad because he got cut open over a vein in his head. So they sliced the vein. So mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I believe it was Mikey. He kind of just threw his thumb on top of Mike's head to stop the bleeding. And Mike turned and he's like, did it stop? And he kind of pulls the thumb away and this line of blood keeps coming out of his oh. head. Uh-huh. He literally had to leave. Now, maybe you guys remember it now, but he had to leave the circus. He went in the back and they wrapped his head up. So he came out with this white bandage around his head and goes out to wrestle. It just wasn't holding. So they finished the circus. By the time he got to the back, he was getting stitched up in the back. Mm. I think so, I remember. I do remember something like I do kind of remember that story. It was long ago, but you know, I remember uh, something. That, I mean, you know, let's let's. So the Psycho Circus 2007, while we're on the circus, that was. Um, I remember I'd got in there, and um, I decided to dress in, you know, dress slacks and a, you know, white button-down dress shirt, and I probably was the definitive anti-Psycho Circus person, you know, because you know I was a wrestler. I you know, I didn't do hardcore. Um, I, you know, so I just, I did a complete psycho circus by avoiding all bullshit inside the psycho circus. I ended up winning the thing. And it was just, I, I, I just remember I let everybody else do the work. The, the story of it was I let everybody else do the work and I just nailed Mike Spinelli with a, an elbow off the second rope with barbed wire and I won the thing. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I give so many people so many credit over the years uh, doing the psycho circus because it is a rough match. Not, not saying that I, you know, um, later on that I did psycho circuses and I did the same thing for sure. I didn't, I, you know, I did get more heavily involved, but, uh, um, you know, at that time back in 2007, cause you know, again, you had sent me flyers and stuff and I was just, so I'd started to remember things. And, um, because unfortunately a lot of that footage is just kind of lost. It's, it, I remember our videotape, uh, some of that stuff and, um, you know, I don't have it, but, I'm trying to remember it off of the top of my head. And I just remember, you know, I started to think about the evolution of the Dickie character because of the psycho circus. So the psycho circus is a game changer. And I don't think I'd ever take it away from anybody of anything they've ever done in there. I mean, the ones that start even come later were just as, just as brutal as the ones you guys remember back in the Park Computer Center. So, you know, is the Deer Park Center still there? Or did they knock it down? Because I haven't been on Long Island since. I, I think it's still there because I, I passed there, by. I don't go there. Like I go on and off. I come back to drop off stuff for Lance, and then I'll go. Then I'll go home, and then I, I I miss it. I miss being on Long. I miss everything about Long Island. I miss everything about Long Island. Where do you live it. now that you miss Long Island? <laughs> I live. I miss. I live in. I live in Pennsylvania. You moved. Uh, oh, that's right. You know John Redbeard, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was telling me before. He's like, "Oh, you're being a, you're gonna be on the podcast tonight." I know, you know, uh, Joe Pat. I was like, "Damn, all right." So let's name drop on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he, he um, I left him a sticker, the dudes at Ringside sticker, mm-hmm. in the beer store in Milford, Pennsylvania. And you're gonna think this is funny. ECW name drop. Jason Knight picked up his sticker and was like, "How do I get in touch with Joe?" And they got the number. Mm-hmm. And I get my number, and I'm sitting waiting for Lance to get back to waiting for Geeky to back to his apartment. And I get a phone call. I'm like, who's this number? It's six, 
Yeah, Craig says it's still there. So I told oh, you it was still there. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Deer Park Community Center. No, absolutely. Deer Park Community Center is still there. What happened with Deer Park Community Center, um, you know, so NYWC, we moved out of there. We had, you know, because that was our home. Um, we had, so when NYWC started way back in 2000, excuse me, we started, um, I actually started training out of a karate dojo in Higgsville. So they, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. So NYWC was a brainchild of three people. Okay. And what happened was they were, it was like a, a Kickstarter company. Okay. And they found a karate dojo to, to kind of rent out the space when uh, the dojo master, whatever they called him, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But whenever he wasn't using it, they would, they rented out the space to the, to the three guys that had started the company. Um, um, so I started learning how to wrestle on karate mat. There was no ring. We had nothing. We, you know, we didn't, you know, we had um, punching bags. We had a, a, a half a body dummy type of thing. Um, and we trained out of that for three months. So I had joined NYWC started September of 2000. I had joined up. I was the uh, officially on the first student, as they say, that joined the, joined the training academy. And then one week went by and somebody else came in. And then another week by somebody else came in. It was just, you know, like I said, it was like a kickstart and um, they were doing everything by a street team. They were street teaming themselves and trying to get, you know, trying to find guys who want to be wrestlers. So the first three months, by the end of that year, I mean, we had a full class. I think we had a full class, about 15, 20 guys. And we were just stuck in this small dojo. So what happened was we needed our own building. The only thing they could find at the time was another place in Hicksville. It was an old um an old school garage. So it had three bay doors. It had no running water, no heat, no bathroom. So we took it anyway. The, the owners of the time, they're like, well, we need a place. We took it. We cleaned it out ourselves. Um, and we stayed there for a few years. Um, and then we ended up moving out of there because we needed to get out. I mean, I, we had a run to Taco Bell. It was like down a, a shopping strip, just use bathroom. <laughs> I think that Taco Bell's still there, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I believe <laughs> they actually built its own standing one, and they changed the original one to a 7-Eleven. Yeah. But, you know, but in that, you know, that 7-Eleven, which was the Taco so it, interesting, you know, the memories in there were priceless. Is where we took trays out of there and, you know, busted each other over the head because we were stupid. And we figured, hey, it would look good in the ring when we, when, you know, when it came time to do matches. Uh, I remember uh, Trent being like 15, 16 years old, getting picked up by his mom. So just, so <laughs> yes, so the, 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 the funny part about that whole thing is that what you're seeing on AEW, when she came in with the caravan and he came out of it, that was legitimate. That's exactly oh. how that kid started when he was 15, 16 years old. He, he would get dropped off and picked up in mom's caravan. So it, it was so funny, like for, you know, anybody from back in that day that realized that's, that's legitimate. That's how that kid started his career. And look at him now. I mean, he was, he's a former WWE guy. He's been all over the place mm -hmm. and now he's on TV weekly with AEW. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's those things that just make it worth, you know, worth the while to keep going with the newer guys. But, you know, but anyway, you know, we started, so we had started, we went to this garage, we stayed there and then we, that's when we ended up in the community center because we started working with Greg Stangle. Greg Stangle would come down to this garage that was in between two shopping strips in Hicksville, Delco Plaza, which I'm sure you guys probably seen or remember. But, you know, Greg would bring down this guy, Joey, uh, Joey Dubari. You know, he was, um, he's got CP and he was like NYWC mega fan. 
and he would even come down to training sessions, you know, because even though he's confined to a wheelchair, he still had very good movement. And what he would do is he got, you know, we welcomed him in with open arms. You know, it was, it was, it's just a testament to, you know, the reach as a performer where you impact people's lives, you know, so he would come down to training classes so many times. So he would actually start. So when he would go during the day to whatever, whatever it was, I can't remember what was the job at the time. Cause he was too young. He had, he did have a job, but there was like a day, like a day thing that he would stay at. I, I don't even know what you'd call it, you know, but he would come down in YWC and instead of doing, you know, he would do his exercises during the day, but he would come down in YWC when we trained and he would do exercises there because he just, he knew that he couldn't train to be a wrestler. But he wanted to be. So the only way that we saw fit to fulfill his dream was to let him do whatever he could. And this this guy was able to get out of a wheelchair and use a walker and he would exercise, you know, and he would do the best he can walking. And to this day, you can still find him in the sportatorium watching shows. And, you know, I, I don't care. Anybody say what they want about him. But, uh, you know, him being confined to a wheelchair and still wanting to do something like this. And just pushing himself to do it was a lot more than a lot of other guys that were coming into the training center that would quit so quick because, God forbid, they had to do calisthenics. God forbid they threw up during cardio. It was almost like they were embarrassed and come back, and this guy just kept coming back. So just the memories in that building alone, just this garage for our company and, and the history that came out of this garage is just unreal. And, um, you know, of course, we had our good times and we had our bad times there. And, um, I mean – I met some of the best people that I'll ever meet in my entire life through wrestling. And it's, it's, it's because of the four letters and it just keeps growing. And, you know, it, they don't have to be wrestlers. And Joey is a perfect example, you know, and his, one of his best friends who they fight like a married couple, his name is Chris. He has CP as well. He doesn't have as much movement. You know, his speech is a little harder to interpret, but again, you know, these guys, they, they, were more involved with probably more than 50% of the guys that come through the doors even today. And it, again, it's such a different world. You know, I don't even want to get into that, but it's just like, there was a lot more fun. There was a lot more good times or a lot more, you know, like I said in my promo, there's good times, there's bad times for, you know, for a show, there's good times, there's bad times. And there's times I shouldn't talk about, but I will, you know, because it's just life. And, and, and it's just, you know, the the evolution of what we've done here is incredible, you know. So just to keep people around for so long, and there's other uh, fans that still frequent NYWC shows. So it's pretty cool that we got to keep people for, you know, 20 years or so. Yep. Yep. Oh, by yeah. the way, as I've noticed, I rant a lot. So yeah, if you that's fine. Me down, cut me down. <laughs> Trust me, we lo- we like the stories. To be honest with me and Joe, we love the stories. So yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do, Diggy. I'm going to get an extra pair of an extra an extra twenty dollars to buy myself an NYWC shirt. Or I got my dudes at ringside hat my cousin made for me from her company. But oh, that's nice. All right, yeah. wait. I like hats. You got to brand yourself. You know, I brand myself too. I had this shirt made. It's actually a test run. Uh, the shirt I'm wearing now, you know, I need to come up with a logo. I had worked on my, you know, on my overnight job. I worked with somebody who was a, a um, an artist who she now, she was actually a supervisor. I'm 40 years old. She was 22 and she was my superior. 
but she was <laughs> she was an artist. She became a tattoo artist. Now she great. She she came up with a great design for me, and I just decided to put on a shirt, just play around with ideas. So when do we get dudes with uh, dudes at Ringside Podcast uh, hats here? You know, that's that's my question. We're, we're working I, on it. It's a work in progress right now. So. I want to get I want to get the like the able hats that I could actually like sell. But like this one cost me twenty five dollars right here. Like this makes myself. <laughs> so. and, and you know what? It's so the shirt I'm wearing cost over thirty because the shirt was thirty bucks, yeah. and then you know the vinyl and everything to make it. You know, so yeah, I, I totally feel your pain, dude. Totally. Feel saying, your pain. Uh, like as Lance is like our child now. This podcast, like <laughs> everything, now costing us real money. It's money. <laughs> longer just a joke the, the and microphone and everything from the microphones the computers to the uh the ring light the, the lights that go back there so there you go hey man <laughs> you got to do what you got to do until you can make it more professional and you know because hey put money into it you make more money out of it you know just keep doing what you're doing you know i mean I, personally for me the younger guys you know i, I we will i mean i'll, I'll talk about it now i i I'll, I'll send you guys some messages. I think there's some guys here in New York that totally could use the experience on your podcast and do have some good things to share with you guys, even about this company and their own careers, because, you know, I work with them weekly. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately right now I'm rehabbing a rotator cuff surgery. So I haven't worked my regular job since December 2nd. I had to have surgery on December 28th. I had a full rotator cuff tear plus a tendon tear. I took a tendon off the bone. Um, so I've had all this time, you know, while instead of just sitting at home and, and, and trying to just keep going to PT and to, I literally, you know, I had people take me over to the sportatorium, I, I, you know, and then when I could drive again, I did it myself. And I took this time where it was downtime um, other than getting fat. Uh, I took the time to get down here to the training center and try to spend some time with the guys and, you know, whether I'm passing. And, and again, I'm not sitting here. I will never take credit for him, but I just like to pass the knowledge I have to, to them. And at the same time, you know, these guys give me another perspective of what wrestling's like today and how much it's it's just grown and it's in a different area. So, you know, I didn't want to waste my time. So I've spent the last six months, you know, about twice a week, three, four times a week sometimes being down here and, and just trying to get something accomplished. So just never waste time. Nothing, there's never wasted time, including your podcast. There's never wasted time. I mean, every, every day you guys – we're putting out on social media. You have another yes coming, you know, a month or two from now. And that's, you know, you got, that's pretty impressive that you guys we're are booked till November. Actually, that's yeah. pretty big that, you know, you're booked that far, you know, my, and, I live with my parents and they kind of got mad at me. Like, I'm. <laughs> I, 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 uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. My dad, my dad follows me and he was like, it was like, he would be next. Morning, I, think, I think we're getting to the point where we're squeezing people on the podcast because, we had to add a third day because it's like, can I come on your podcast? And we're like, we don't have any dates available. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, okay. Let's open up Thursdays because first Thursday ever, Dickie, was um, uh, a young wrestler from the United Kingdom. Her name is Kiara. Okay. She's a gem. Oh, she's a gem. She's a sweetheart. You would love her. She's trained by Lance Storm. Okay. So okay. she's a she's a scrapper. She's tall. I think she's about like I forget how tall she is, but she's she's a gem. She I we, we I I even name drop NYWC. I'm like, if you ever come to the states, you have to go to NYWC. It is a launching spot. 
oh really no problem wow <laughs> we should I, maybe i should go there i forgot to new york and i you guys should come along and i'm like we'll be your your cheering crew don't worry but she also is a heel she can she can be face or heel and the stuff she said she said even geek was like she's like i i'm i could be a face or i could be a let's just say uh a, a, a yeah. sea a, a sea heel what they call it. yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, we're going with this. Yeah, Clint, Clint. I want to. I have to search her out just to hear her real voice because I want to see if your impression is like uncanny. (laughs) Joe makes Joe Joe's deal is he likes to mimic voices. That's what he does. (laughs) He does, uh, and I'm like Joe, man, calm down with the voices, man. He's like. We, <laughs> you're I gonna get some trouble, man. Huh? He was doing the um the the we, we there were a, the, her her federation in England is called CPW and they were actually watch Lance was Geek was watching them on YouTube, so he was sitting there watching them and they were like, I guess they saw dudes at ringside. Like Geek said, "Oh hi," and they were like, "Hey, oh dudes are dudes at ringside, dude." I'm not gonna do the impression because I don't want to get myself huh. in trouble for making fun oh, of them. You. You can imagine the accent. Put out my drink if you do another impression, bro. Yes. <laughs> it was just like, oh my god! He sent me the clip, and I kept doing the impression of the voice the whole time. And he was like, "Joe, stop! We're gonna get in trouble." <laughs> but, but yeah, we we have a lot of people coming. We have uh, Liberty Pro Wrestling from Alabama coming on our podcast later in October. Like. NYWC, I never, I would, as I said this to Lance, when you may send us the promo, the preview one, right? You sent me the real promo. I said, Lance, did you ever think the day that we would have Dickie Rodge from the NYWC where we grew up going to sitting in the front row cheering and booing for these guys? They're saying our names now. <laughs> well, now you got a bumper to use for your program because I gave you one that has nothing to do with this. This, this show, yeah, today's show. That's yeah, exactly. For sure. You know, you got one you could use all the time as a commercial if you need a commercial break at some yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I, I like we, Damien Dragons, we, his promo – it's before we started asking the player, the wrestlers to actually make us promos. So we would have in the middle of the show, hey, uh, hey, Damien, can you make a promo? Okay. What do you want me to do? And Damien's been off, off script. Mm-hmm. He went off script. He was just like, almost like he was like, do you want to see a magic trick? It was like something like that. He went, cuckoo Damien Dragon. I was like, Foxy's. It's funny. Damien Dragon, man, I haven't spoken to him in years, probably probably a good decade now but you know damien dragon he wasn't the first time i met him wasn't at nywc i think it was jcw it was jersey championship wrestling down jersey he was one of the first guys that um you know you know i was working i, I can't remember how long i worked for jersey championship wrestling for but i remember working with him and it was just you know he was one of those guys at that time you know he made me better in a lot of aspects too so if you talk to Damon at any point, you know, you could let him know. He definitely did his part to make me better. He's, he's actually coming on the show on July 2nd. Oh, good, good. So, so he's coming to so he's going to let him feel like you tell all his stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna oh, fun. I'm sure he's got a lot of stories he ain't going to tell either. You know, I just. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, 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 trust me, he's like. He, you know how I did my Mikey impression? His Mikey impression is even funnier than I than mine is. <laughs> he does a you know, you see, like that. I was like, oh god, I gotta, I gotta do that one. I gotta do my my impressions. <laughs> I don't know. I was watching some of your um, not well, Foxy Foxy episode, 
So, you know, I wanted to get a feel of the, the, the podcast, what you guys were about. So I, I, I turned up Foxy's and I, you know, so Foxy, what's your, what's your favorite food? Cheese. And I'm just, oh, cheese. <laughs> cheese. Okay. All right. I know what to expect now. Just don't know what your favorite food is. I'm not answering that. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, but, um, so anyway, so what got you? When did you guys actually start your podcast? What got you guys in the podcast? We saw actually two two months ago, but we we known each other such a long time before, way before that. We did, we did college radio, so but yeah. I okay. did. I played all the heavy metal and the tools and the Metallicas, and then toward the countdown was over, we would go into like the um the Raws and Smackdowns in the uh the the, the John Cena Batista Rey Mysterio era. And we would break down the Raws and SmackDowns, and then it would end the show. So, yeah. It's so it's weird. Just, you know, you guys remind me, of, you know, when I was um, in the 90s, I was, um, you know, I was about 18 or 19 years old, and, and, and uh, I listened to a wrestling uh, radio show <laughs> AM station, and um, it had this guy, Brian Vitko, and I think his co-host is, was Johnny Balls. And uh, I ended up working. Uh, Brian Vicko actually came to YWC in the very beginning too. So we ended up working together, or very very early on in in my career. And we, um, you know, we hit it off. You know, so I just remember um, through his um, education on the, the the radio and how to talk and everything else. He was actually helping me out with promos at the time. So you know, I mean, he's back. He came back recently, you know, to help us out uh, behind the scenes too with the uh, Heart and Soul Cup tournament. That was, that's on YouTube right now. If anybody wants to go check that out, but it's um, it's good stuff. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, no, I, we we had a blast. You know, I you know, let's <laughs> if you want to talk about the Heart and Soul Cup. We talk about the Heart and Soul Cup now. Um, so anyway, yeah, you know, uh, Brian Vicko was very instrumental. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, way back in the day, as far as um, bringing a, a, what we wanted at that time to life. But we were so small. It was an upstart deal at the time. We were still in the garage. Um, but I remember, you know, he was one of those guys that, you know, I'd walk in. I was usually the first one to walk into training. And there he was all the time working on something in the building. And he actually made a, a, a makeshift commentator's table. And uh, ended up putting together. And he had this NYWC sign. The NYWC sign was so cheesy. It, it was just so bad. It was this red and yellow, like, plastic bullshit. And it, it was like, you know, this stupid marker. But you know, again, it was just like back then, it was just so much passion going into what we were doing, where um, we we were built and survived on guys like that. And, and just about, I would say about 98, 99% of the roster was so instrumental on in putting the company together. So when we got him back, um, it was it was funny because I was talking to Shane, who is uh, owner and promoter and booker of the company. Uh, we were talking when the pandemic hit, he had came up with the idea of how we were going to keep NYWC going. Um, we had come up with, you know, he had come up with this, the, the way that we were going to work training because we were still going to follow guidelines. So God forbid, you know, the wrong guy comes to the building to check it out and see what's going on. Um, and number two, uh, a lot of the guys that run the company were deeply affected by COVID. Um, so, you know, he came up with this 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 huge idea to, to you know keep it alive, and it worked. And then he was going to start these. Like I said, we we grew during the pandemic with production. So he came up with the idea of well, we're going to do these tapings, 
and we're going to, you know, uh, originally it was going to be a day taping and then the footage goes over to production and then they would take care of it. And, you know, obviously do all the editing jobs they had to do, add in all the, the, um, the graphics and everything else. And I remember I was talking to Shane and we both, you know, I had brought up Vico's name and he was like, oh, already on it, already a step ahead of you. You know, so Brian, it came back and it was one of those things that, um, you know, it was kind of like I'm working with these guys from the past that helped build it originally. And, and so it, there was a lot of, it's so, you know, it's, it's kind of bullshit to say, but there was a lot of heart put into the project of the heart and soul cup. And, um, unfortunately we lost Crusher Dugan. Um, he mm. had died early and it was like two weeks shy of his 50th birthday, um, in, uh, 2020. He, oh, he wow. Had, oh, he died in 2020. Um, and, um, it was, you know, just before the psycho circus that year. And I, I, I do remember, um, nobody could, it was the first time that somebody died that was very close to the company that nobody could get it together during the 10 bell salute that, you know, wrestling does for, you know, people that, you know, have passed away and, and Crusher, if, if anybody just about as much as Mikey was a, a very big influence on training here. And, you know, of course I'm not, I'm not bashing Mikey at all. Mikey was probably the, the greatest influence on anybody that ever came through the doors, but Crusher had so much to offer and he, and, and there was so much that we learned from him and you never stopped learning with him. So, you know, from the minute you walked in the door, you were who you were to the minute you walked out the door, you had to get in your car and leave. Okay. So it was like very strict, you know, and there were plenty of times, Mikey, you know, you're talking about at the community center with the shirt and, you know, you're going back and forth. There were times when I was the champion and we were at the, the airport community center in front of, you know, fans. Are, I got, I got yelled at by Mikey because I was making mistakes. And, you know, of course I was young and stupid, but you know, I made huge mistakes and I was dragged to the back and, I was basically told, you know, what the fuck are you doing? But mm. in, in, in any case, you know, Crusher was in that role too. And Crusher for me, um, back when, you know, NYWC said, hey, we're going to um, we're going to give you the title. And you're going to go, you know, you're going to go run with this. And you and Crusher, you know, make something of it. You know, this was particularly my third reign as the, the champion. And Crusher was like, don't worry, I'm going to be ringside. He had been with me a little bit before uh, I had won the title, but, you know, it was on the job training. So he was always, you know, at ringside and people are, you know, of course, be oh, it's all, you know, it's all bullshit. It's all, and it, wrestling's not, a lot of wrestling's not, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll take it to task with anybody. It's not, it's not all what you think. And this guy was literally coaching me from, from outside the ring, in the ring. And he made me a better worker for it not just a wrestler but a worker and, and and to understand why i was doing what i was doing so anyway don't worry we're going to get to the point i'm not going off no, no no good crusher um crusher would do you know he would end up doing that for other guys later on down the road and when he died and we all got in this ring and we're all trying to hold it together i remember i remember feel like you know we had you know you guys remember mega yes yeah. you know, yeah, he our buddy uh in the comments was like he had a shirt, and that said "fat is good." And uh, <laughs> he, his teacher, teacher yelled at him. He's like, "Why are you wearing that shirt?" So he wanted to let you know that. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's that's, that's <laughs> memory. But you know, and Mega. You know, it's funny that that would be something somebody brought. Mega was Mega is still one of the nicest guys in the entire world. I messaged when, him. He didn't get back to me. 
uh, maybe I'll reach out to him for you, see what's going on with him. He's a pretty busy dude. I mean, he's he's got a lot going on. He's in Florida now, you know. But, you know, Mega, you know, as far as when you look at the history of New York wrestling, Mega is right there at the forefront. You know, he started at, at HWA with uh, Mikey over there. And, um, you know, he's been around, uh, you know, a few years before me. And, and you know, I had some good matches with him. You know, we, we had wrestled a handful of times. And it was always very easy because uh, Mega was just easy to work with. But, excuse me, Mega, if he wants you, he can kill you. I mean, there's there's just without question. If he wanted to give you a really good shot, he could give you a shot. And it, it could knock you out. No problem. But, you know, it never nothing ever came to that like that with Mega. But, you know, think of this guy who's – you know, six foot, what, four or five, you know, 200 some odd pounds. And it's like he broke down the middle of that ring and it just, he couldn't talk anymore. And it, it, it really resonated with me with how many people try to grab a mic and say something nice about, you know, Crusher. And it also it made me realize how many people he had impacted in his time here. So when we did the heart and soul cup, now we're going to circle back to heart and soul. We did this heart and soul cup. <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say too much about behind the scenes, but, you know, I understand what the concept was and it really was for it. Like it really kind of in, it, it immortalized Crusher. It was about him uh, in a lot of ways. And after some conversations with Shane, I, I understood it more. And, also, it, what it, what the cup is supposed to symbolize when you win this thing, um, and I believe this is going to be a yearly tournament at some point. Hopefully, we're going to start it again. We'll start up again next year. I don't think we're going to be able to run one this year because of uh, everything coming back too late. But I'm not too sure. You know, I'm not I'm not up there and, and calling the shots. But it eventually will um, make a turnaround, and it will be for Crusher. So it'll be the Heart Soul Cup. Uh, it'll be the Heart Soul uh, tournament. For the Crusher Cup, and 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 really, what that means to me is, is, you know, basically what the cup represents that you're winning is that you're, you know, you put everything into what we do. You know, it, there was never an excuse not to be a train. There was never an excuse not to be at a show. There was never an excuse not to do something that you were asked to do. You're a team player, you know, and also too that people recognize all the efforts that you put in, not only to yourself but the company, and and you know. In, in my opinion, it would take a lot for somebody to to um, to be an example of that. And, and, and I, you know, I didn't understand at the time, you know, when I won, it, I was like, wow, I, you know, I just don't really deserve to be held up on this pedestal. And it took a lot of convincing after I won this thing as to why I'm on that pedestal for this particular part of the company. You know, I'm not saying it outshines the champion. I'm not saying it outshines the secondary, the fusion title or anything like that. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's in a class of its own, just like, you know, any heavyweight title company, any, you know, secondary fusion title, intercontinental U S title, whatever the case may be. It just means something else. And sometimes I think, you know, there's more to what we do in this particular wrestling. There's more to just being the heavyweight champion. And, and I think it's a, it's a, it should be a motivating thing to the guys that, you know, train and want to be better at what we do. It, it gives them something else to shoot for. And it, there's a lot of meaning behind it. There's a lot, a lot of meaning behind it. And it, it the heart and soul, I, I, you know, and I was even impressed with the name heart and soul. I, I really like it. I really dig it. I can really get into it. 
And I think that other people, when we come back to live shows, you will get emotionally invested into whoever is the heart and soul champion, you know, whoever is that person. And it, you, you know, you don't need to wrestle for the titles at that point. You don't need to be the heavyweight champion at that point, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to convey, Hey man, this is my passion. I bleed for this, you know, and I know it sounds cliche. I bleed for this. And, and this is what I've always wanted to do and I'm doing it and I'm being recognized for it, but it takes a lot of work to be recognized in that category. And again, I'm not trying to devalue being a heavyweight champion anywhere or just being a champion anywhere. What I'm trying to say is, is that I think this concept that was created is something very different. You're not the king of the ring. You're not the king of New York. You're not the king, you know, it, it's, it, I think it totally supersedes all that. I think that the, the cup can be very valuable if we treat it right, if we use it right, and if the guys are absolutely at that level. And, you know, I've never claimed at any point in my career that I am the best person, the best wrestler that's ever walked into a ring. And, you know, in fact, a lot of the times I was hated, you know. And, and you know, when you go back to when I was the, 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 the NYWC champion, I, I mean, I was hated for the right reasons. And then at some point, wrestling started to evolve into different areas. And I refused to give up that part. So I kind of got hated for not, you know, stepping up at that time. So, you know, I go from being champion in 2007 um, to never receiving a title shot, maybe once in the last 14 years. So, I mean, again, so it, it kind of, when you think about it, I actually had a comeback story going on um, with NYWC. You know, obviously there's a good, good times and bad times in anything we do in life, whether it's wrestling or another sport or another business. Um, you have good times and you have bad times. And there were times where uh, the company and I didn't agree and I had to walk away for a few months or whatever the case may be and I come back, recharge my batteries. There were times that I was very wrong. There were, there were times that I felt that I was very right. And until this day, I feel I was very right. But you know, I had this this large gap of time. Um, I left in, I, I believe it was 2014. Um, I was teaming with Nikki, Nikki Adams. We were the NYWC Tag Team Champions. It was the first intergender, intergender team of the company, I believe. But we were definitely the first intergender tag team champions. And uh, that was a pretty good notch in her belt at the time. I mean, you know, good luck. Whatever she's doing right now, I, I really don't know. But at that time there was so much equity and in, put into this, this, this tag team. But unfortunately, because of there was some personal reasons we, we, we left. So I took a, a you know, almost a five-year sabbatical from, the, from NYWC. And um, I ended up coming back in late 2018. And here's a completely different locker room, a completely different roster. Um, and I tell you something, I'm, I'm very impressed with every, you know, every wrestler that's in this locker room. The guys that started here, the guys that train here, the guys that have, you know, come in, you know, that, hey, they look forward to come in, you know, they're, they're part of the team. It was a completely different world. And I really thought that, you know, at that time, you know, NYWC, and I, it, for years after I'd left the company, I was bashing. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, you know, anybody brought up NYWC, you know, my response was, fuck them. I, I don't want to even talk about it. And, it, you know, I, I was very, you know, for lack of a term, I was very bitter. I was very bitter that, there was a, a huge relationship that I had had with the owners of the company and a lot of the guys that were here. And again, 
that's that's the best part about wrestling that you guys don't get to see, you know, out in these shows that a lot of friendships are made and a lot of relationships are made. And it took a lot for me to say, it's time to walk away. And I walked away and, you know, of course, you know, Hey, I'm just another nut on the, on the gear. And, you know, you take, you know, this nuts, the threads are no good. We're going to throw another nut on and the, the company goes on. So, you know, and I, and I honestly, and I honest to God, I could tell you, I never kept up with the company. I, I didn't really look into what was going on. I didn't, I didn't care. And, you know, and, you know, oh, you know, Dickie, what do you think of uh, this person? That person? I, I don't give a shit about them. I think they're all scumbags, you know, and I, I was at a really bad, you know, really bad point. And, you know, to this day, if yeah, I think I learned a valuable lesson by walking away when I felt I was right. And I, and I really feel that I, I, I was proven to be right. So when I came back, uh, now I have this whole locker room full of great, great talent. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring them up. You know, but, you know, you got a great tag team in the Cortez brothers. Um, what a, you have a great hand, technical wrestler, just all around worker with Mike Mistretta. Um, You know, and his game, nobody's better than Mike Mistretta. He pisses people off. And yet, honestly, you know, if I had to, you know, in my humble opinion, I, I really think there is nobody better at that point. And that's a great character. It reminds me of when I was the superstar back in 2006, 2007. Here I am, I'm claiming, you know, but the difference was here I am claiming I'm the best and I'm the superstar of the company. And yet, honestly, there were a lot better wrestlers on that card than me. But the problem was, I the, not the problem, but the thing was I made it work because I didn't have to out-wrestle anybody. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to go out there and piss people off. And then I took their belts. I pissed them off even more, you know. And again, I, you know, I don't, anything I've ever done wrestling, it, it's not just me. I've always had, you know, I've had a supporting cast, you know, for my particular characters, I've had a supporting cast and I wouldn't have ever been to do without them. Uh, so going back to Mike Mastretta, I see a lot of the superstar character that I had done for, you know, two or three years and he's taken it to a different level. So I really, I really enjoy watching his work because it, the, the character kind of resembles what I was trying to do. But I was able to do it in a different way because the world was different. I was able to get away with a lot more bullshit that I was saying, you know, and, and a lot more things were kind of overlooked. Now, you know, I can't I can't do that stuff anymore. So I watch him. And, and honestly, I go, man, I, I, don't, I can't imagine doing this story again about doing all the stuff I did. And I watch him and I go, OK, well, you know, he's got this. He's got his finger on the pulse. So, you know, you come down YWC when you guys make it back, which I know you guys want to come to the mm-hmm. show. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, the first name that I would tell you to watch out for is Mike Mastretta. Another, you know, other guys that 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 will stick out, like I said, the Cortez brothers. Um, you know, those guys are legitimate brothers, and they have great chemistry in the ring. Um, and they're going to get you to believe what they're doing. Um, we have Man Bun Jesus, who is an unbelievable character. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on the Instagram page. I was like, what in the world? He, let me tell you something. You put, I, I guarantee you, you put Man Bun Jesus on your podcast. You will be laughing so hard you'll be pissing yourself for however long you're running that podcast. He is an absolute, like, gem of a character inside and outside the ring, you know. And it's like he's a, such an extension of himself. You know, I won't get into it. You know, he doesn't do anything, anything at all to enhance his character. But you know he he's he's great you know and and he he gets it you know he uh, he honestly um, 
as far as character work, you know, and, and, and really sinking into something when you, again, he would be another one that when he comes out from the minute he walks out the curtain to the minute he walks back, you're going to, you're going to get your money's worth. You're going to be absolutely entertained. Uh, you know, there, Jay Rad is another guy who, again, um, when I got back, all I saw was character and, you know, he did this just funny, unbelievable stuff. Again, entertainment value at its best. I've had the opportunity to work with him while I've been recovering from the rotator cuff surgery. And I saw another side of this guy. This kind of how to work. He knows how to wrestle. And, I, you know, I, there's times I just turn around. I just says, dude, you got to work. What the hell are you doing? You know, and, and again, his, I don't need to work. <laughs> you know, I don't need to wrestle. I'm over, you know, and, and, and that's not exactly his words. I'm just trying to translate the way I'm, I would take he's right. He's got a, you know, he's got a character. I mean, the only thing that I would, I would do is clean up some gear. I want to get some better gear, but he's unbelievable. Again, entertainment value. Why am I going to come back to watch NYWC again? Because I was entertained as fuck watching, mm-hmm. you know, J-Rad. And he's kind of, he kind of reminds me of Andy Kaufman. Because here's wow. a guy, you know, he'll walk right in this building. Hey, you're wrestling Izzy McKenna tonight. Hey, you're wrestling Mother Edless. Uh, hey, you're wrestling... And he's just like, yeah, no problem. And he goes out there and he does this this deal that's just unbelievable. And it's just again, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you're not going to leave without going. Okay, that you know, I, I want to come back. I want to see what he's going to do again next time. You know, and you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, we have young guy. Uh, when I got back to NYWC, they they team me up with this guy Sal. Um, you know, they're like, hey, you know, give him that on the job training thing. And I sat there, I'm just like, shit, me? You sure you want me to, you know? And again, here's a kid who was just a a plain looking dude, came out, kind of no get, he, he, you know, had all the tools. And again, it's it's like, you know, maybe not as memorable as a J-Rat or a man bun, but you definitely would go, oh man, this guy's good work. You know, he he knows how to wrestle, you know, and he definitely entertained the shit out of you with a lot of stuff he's doing. He went and visited Dr. Tom down in, uh, Geez, I don't even know what the hell Dr. Tom's schools at Tennessee. Was that OBW? No, no, Doc, that was long time ago, but I, I believe it was like Tennessee or something. Um, Dr. Tom's school down there, he went down there for a few months for, you know, whatever. Um, I guess they're like coaching classes or whatever the case may be. You, you know, you could train with Dr. Tom, learn the inside of the business where, you know, the old school way. He came back. This guy's a completely different person. Now, this dude's ready to rock and roll. We don't have live shows yet, which will be coming back very, very soon. And his, I'll, I'll tell you right now, he's another guy that I'd be watching out for, you know. So there's just – it's a completely different roster. It's a completely different feel. It's almost a completely different show other than the four letters that hang on the wall. Um, but I really think that like the characters of the past that you guys remember that we have spoke about off air, um, you're not going to leave NYWC without going, well, well goddamn, you know, this is, this is some good shit, you know, and i I got to come back because – Again, you might you might feel the same way I do, where you could relive those times that we did back in the Deerport Community Center, with a different um, in a different building, a different environment, different people, different views on on you know wrestling and, and the world and how they're going to interact. And to be honest with you, it's it's just a good feeling to watch these guys. You know, they keep growing every time that I'm down there and and you know training with them. And you know, I just can't say enough good things about it. So. You know, I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised that even though you're not going to see, you know, Damian Dragon is retired, you know, Foxy Fox is retired, 
you know, guys like Josh Daniels, Quiet Storm. Josh Daniels has gone from wrestling. Quiet Storm's in Japan. Uh, you know, wow. Mike Bellew retired. There's so many, you know, there's so many, like Spider. Spider's yarn. He, he ended up leaving. He retired. Um, still makes gear, though. One size fits Spider. Always late, but he makes the gear. Um, but, you know, there's so there's so many guys from back in the day that aren't there anymore. But and it sounds bad to say you won't miss them because it's just an entirely different crop of people. And they're all so good at what they do. And, you know, you know, and it's always a learning experience every time you get in the ring anyway. And I wouldn't you know, I would put money on it that for sure you would see some of these guys on TV in the future. Absolutely for sure. Well, you forgot to Ken Scampy. Ken Scampy. Scampy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I say this with nothing but love. We want but fish want, sticks. We want my, fish sticks. Come on. My, please come out the fishing net and catch people. I just, you know, Scampy, I liked Scampy outside the ring um, when we would go and have a drink, you know. But when training came, so again, you know, things probably shouldn't say, but I don't really give a damn. You know, it's like, how did I get your training? I brought a coffee for Mikey Whipwreck. Yes, Mikey. No, Mikey. Yes, Mikey. That was that was Scampy. But um, yeah, man, Scampy. Yeah, we had I had some great times with him at the bar after shows. Dan Barry was another guy that I'm sure you remember. Yeah, yeah. Dan Barry was just on AEW uh, this week. Yeah, I just I just saw that. Yeah, uh, that yeah. Was it's so funny because you know Dan. I think Dan. Dan and I. Um, I've known Dan since he started. He started him too. Months. Yeah, he's, you know, he started like, months after me. He didn't even – he said, oh, I'm doing my own thing. And I were like, I'm like, no problem. Uh, you know what? There's all – you know what? It, it just comes down to, you know, a lot of guys, you may not have anything to really kind of talk about. Dan, you know, Dan has a real good job right now that's outside of wrestling. He still does comedy. He still wrestles the occasional match. I've spoken to him every now and then over the last two years. And, uh, you know, I think that Dan found a – a good balance that, you know, when we start in wrestling, excuse me, when we start out as wrestlers, we need wrestling. Wrestling's a dream. Wrestling's a passion. And it's about the only thing you can think of all day and all night. Okay. So when you start, it's a completely different world uh, than when, let's say you're around 20 years or you're around 15 years, you know, your life changes, you get older. There's other things that you know, get in the way. If you haven't gotten that big break, sometimes it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I can't do this anymore. Um, there's other guys that can balance the two, which are real life and wrestling. And it, it's like, you know, and then, you know, again, of course you got to worry about your health and how you're feeling, how your body feels, how you are mentally. If you're not in a good place mentally, if you're not in a good place physically, yeah, you might need to walk away. Uh, Dan Barry is a, a perfect example of being able to balance it out, knowing his worth, Working the places that he knew he could work that that were worth it, the payday was good. The exposure was good. Um, he's so funny, and he's so good at his gimmick. He's so good at everything he's ever done. And I think he would be very shocked if he was watching this and heard me say all this about him. There was so much good with Dan Barry, and back way back in the beginning when he had started. Um, it was hard for somebody like me to see it because I was so concentrated on telling a story and the art form of wrestling and learning that where he could do all the flips I couldn't, he could do all the moves I couldn't. Um, and he was just overall, he was more versatile for what he could do. So, I mean, 
you know, looking at him today, it's like, you know, he's got the perfect balance, dude. And, and again, he was another guy. He's a guy that I would love to see back with NYWC at some point when we start running again. And I think that as soon as I'm healed up and I'm, you know, I'm back to good physical shape, I'd love to work with him again. Team yeah. Tremendous. Bring Team Tremendous back. Come on. Well, I mean, I know Scampi got married <laughs> a, long, a while ago, and I think he might have some kids and stuff. I, I don't know if we could get Team Tremendous. It's Tara, right? Tara was his manager? Tara Charisma was his manager, yeah. Tara. What happened to her? I, I, I messaged her on Instagram, and she didn't message me back either. I don't know if that was her connection to her Facebook. And I was like... Tara, I mean, as far as wrestling, Tara disappeared a long time ago. I think it came to the point where Tara had had enough. Like, you know, like we talked about, you get to that point where um, it's just, I've had enough. You know, I'm not going to go anywhere other than where I'm at. I've had enough. I got to go. I mean, I could be very wrong, but I I remember Tara just walking, Tara walking away was just very quiet. It was just kind of like, okay, one day Tara's here, one day Tara's not. And, and I don't know what the reasons are for it. I haven't spoken to her in probably a decade. Um, mm. Again, you want to, she was such a sweetheart. I mean, I had no problem. I honestly, I, a very handful of a very select few, about a handful of guys that I can actually sit here. And if you wanted me to talk shit about them, because mm-hmm. you know, to me, um, either I had a bad experience with them or I feel that they're just a cancer to what we do or what we try to do or whatever the case may be. But again, that's, that's uh conjecture. It's my opinion, but you know, and like I said, it's very, very few, but Tara was a sweetheart. You know, you asked her to do something. She did. I, I remember one time in the Elks Lodge, I believe it was for ICW way, way back when. I, I don't, I can't remember the exact date. I remember Mikey Whiprick and, and Shane were teaming up. And um, I think they were wrestling. I think Tara was on the uh, other end of the, the, the ring and she was with Raven. Uh, I, I can't remember. Sorry, it's not my story to tell, but I do remember that the spot was Mikey went under her skirt. And then came back up and missed it, missed it somebody in the face. I believe it was her. So, like, we could do fun things like that back then. And she was always a good sport. She always was up for anything. And, um, you know, again, you know, I, I don't know what exactly happened with her, but I'm just assuming that she just wanted to start another life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually have a picture. It's in my picture book. I have to take a picture and send it to you later. It's me in between her and Foxy. <laughs> and, and I never got a chance. I got Foxy. Foxy signed the picture for me in a, in a silver pen. And I never got a chance to get the picture. But I never, I always forgot to bring the picture back to get her to sign it on the other side in gold. <laughs> That's an interesting picture. I wouldn't mind being in that picture back in the day. Foxy, Tara Sandwich. I, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I was like, and, and who knows? Me and Foxy were like wrestling besties. Like, she would see me at the show as a heel and she would sit and talk to me in the, in the, and she would sometimes have to tell me, go away, go away. No, I'm sorry, sweetheart. Go. I'm a heel. Stop it. Just say say I was mean to you. (laughs) Just tell me I was mean to you. That was, yeah, no, that was, that was back, you know, that was, um, a lot of people, uh, there's one thing that I don't like about wrestlers today, workers, is that when you go on social media and you outright expose everything you've just done, I, I can't stand it. And everybody has the excuse of, well, the business is, has been exposed, but it, oh, we're, you know, it's, it's like a movie. It's this and everything. And I, I, you know, I don't buy that bullshit, you know, and, and, and um, 
you know, because it, it, it just triggered me into that because it's kind of like, you know, back then that was, you know, that was you you broke the, the wall down when you did that. You know, you broke that fourth wall down when you were the fan and, you know, you're not supposed to be. Again, that was something that there were a couple of times, you know, I was guilty of it. I got in trouble and it was, um, you know, it's called fishing. You know, you kind of fishing out people and, you know, that way you're over and then you go in the back like, well, the people are taking to me as, as, you know, they want to see me and, you know, the promoter turn around and be like, well, that's because your stupid ass was out there, you know, acknowledging them and talking to them. And and again, like I, I even hate even talking about that much yeah. because me personally, when I, you know, I was trained and I know there's a lot of other older people, maybe even some people now, I, I just don't, I can't find the younger generation that kind of believes me, except for the guys that I work with NYWC. Um, I, I don't like that. I, I don't like the exposing of what I do because what's the point of me going to training two, three times a week, sacrificing everything I've sacrificed in my life to do what I do. And then I'm going to show you guys, Hey guys, by the way, this is bullshit. You know what, what I just presented to you as Dickie rods. And I went in there and I, and I had the battle of my life, by the way, it's bullshit. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go on social media right now. I'm going to go on the, the Dudes at Ringside podcast. I'm going to say, hey, man, remember that really big match I had in the, in the Sportatorium, you know, two months ago? Uh, by the way, is bullshit. He's at my house right now. He knows my mom. He, you know, he knows my kid, whatever the case may be. I, I just I don't like it. And, and again, it's a very unpopular opinion, what I'm saying, because a lot of people don't agree with me anymore. But there are some that do. And, and it's like. You know, uh, a lot of old timers like I, I'm, 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 again, I hate name dropping. I'm, a, I'm a good friend of Ted DiBiase. I know, you know, the Million Dollar Man very well. Wow. I was down at his house in, in, in down in uh, Mississippi, and, 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 and it's like, um, I've also met a lot of, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of older guys that I had watched growing up. You know, guys like Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine, Marty Janetti. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've worked with Bruce Beefcake. I've worked with, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. There's just no point in sitting here dropping names it's just to get myself over. But um, the point of it all is, is that instead of uh, taking it and using it as a tool, I, I use it as a learning tool. You know, I didn't need to go around and, and, and talk about how, hey, I was with this guy, I was with that guy. I just always kept it private. I didn't need to go on, on social media. And, you know, even now when I see these guys in town, I don't need to go on social media and post pictures with them. What I need to do is be educated as to what I've set out to do 20 years ago. And then I want to take that information and I want to pass it on to these guys that are, you know, some of them may be struggling and some of them just don't know. But, you know, take, you know, you guys answer honestly. This is, a, this, you know, this is very impartial here. But, you know, you go to a show, you go to a psycho circus, you watch two guys beat the shit. And I'm using the psycho circus only because it's the biggest match in the company's history. It, it always draws a huge number. It, you know, it, you know, guys put a lot on the line to do it, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, you're watching a guy beat the shit out of another guy for whatever reason has that's been presented to you. And someone turns around and just says, hey, by the way, you know, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm going to go out to dinner with him. It kind of ruins it for you. You know, you're spending your hard earned money to come see me wrestle. Mm-hmm. Why am I going out of my way to throw it back at you and say, by the way, you know, and then proceed to just expose everything I've done. It, it was such a big no, no. Like, and again, we, I got on this rant about, you know, all this because of 
you know, Foxy Foxy with you in the crowd. It was such a big, I mean, you could probably even talk to Damien, Damien Dragon about it when he's on your show. Yeah. You know, those little things that could, that would have derailed anything momentum you had. Uh, as far as when I say derail momentum, derail momentum with the company you're working for, why do I want to pay you to come in and work for me when all you're going to do is, is pretty much tell everybody that it's bullshit. And, and so, you know, even you could listen to this interview right now and then we could, you know, we part ways and you go watch wrestling and forget about everything I'm saying and you can still get lost in the wrestling. You know, me personally, I don't watch what's on TV today and it's not because I'm going to sit here and, and destroy the product. I don't watch wrestling today, one, because I work overnights and it's very hard for me to do it. And I'd have to catch it on demand. I have a lot of other things to get to, including my own life, my own career. So it's very hard to keep up with the current problem, but I do as best I can through social media with through clips that, you know, AEW puts up or whatever, but you know, it's like it just it's just a sensitive subject to really, you know, you know, try to kind of press on for me at least, you know, just I just don't like the whole, you know, I had a great match with you tonight. Thanks for it. I'll see you soon. It it just doesn't work for me. I mean, again, you guys are not gonna go if I was to cut a promo right now. And then you saw the guy that I'm, I'm wrestling cut a promo and I'm telling you, hey, guys, by the way, NYWC is back in July. I'm going to go wrestle this guy in July. But if I'm on social media and I'm posting pictures with that guy's kid or, or out to dinner or, hey, great training session today and shit like that, I, I don't I personally just I don't believe in that stuff. And, you know, I want to keep anything I can alive, especially because, you know, it started with, you know, the WWE kind of pulling back the curtain saying, Hey, by the way, here's some of the, the, the tricks to today where the whole, the curtain doesn't exist anymore. The curtain's been burnt down. No, kayfabe is like not alive, but you're trying to keep it alive. It's, at it's, least, at least for the time that you take the money that you've made on your, your weekly jobs and you're coming to see me and you want to be entertained. You know, it's like, you know, you talk about fireballs. You were talking about fireballs earlier today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in a this this heated rivalry with somebody. Excuse me. They throw a fireball in my face. You're watching it live. Holy shit. That, what? You can't fake that, which you can't because I've taken fireballs before. So you really can't take You can't mm-hmm. fake a fireball. Would you want me to go on, on social media and start talking about how, uh, hey, by the way, I, I'm in the back. I'm fine. And uh, the person, I was wrestling Mikey. Mikey threw a Oh, by the way, Mikey says, uh, you know, I'm, we're all good and we're, you know, we're giving a thumbs up together. It's just, I, I just don't feel that you're getting your money's worth at that point. I just don't feel that that's right for wrestling. Not at all. No. Yeah, no. So, I mean, like, you know, so you know, that actually reminded me when Mikey, you know, you want to throw out some uh, crazy shit, I, I, you know, so taking a fireball in your face, there's a way to do it. And there is a reason why I'm getting to somebody off camera right now. I'm going to point to them. There's a reason why I'm getting into this. And it's and it's it's because it's bullshit. So, um, my E threw a fireball on my face. Gosh, I wish I could remember the year. I was feuding with Francis Kiplin Stevens, and again, Fra- uh, Kip was very easy to work with. Um, I loved I loved wrestling Kip. Kip and I we didn't see eye to eye for a while at some point during our time, and he had this. Um, Gosh, I don't remember the girl's name, but there was a there was a, a Violet. There it is. Thank you. Good job. There was Violet, and uh, he was like the on, she was on the on screen girlfriend, and everything else like that. And you know they were these two nerds, and the whole progression of the storyline 
was that they were in love and it was just kind of so funny and dopey at some points where I can remember there was a nerd stable that was in NYWC. Yeah, there was there was there was another one, uh, Willie Wise, but I can't remember his name at the time. And then there was uh, another girl. Her 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 name was Jamie, but I don't remember what we called her on screen. They there was a nerd group, but it was for a while. They like they that's when the internet came out. They had the website, and I kept looking at the website. I kept seeing these guy guy with suspenders in his picture. She was like, "Yep, yep, that that was Kip." You know, disappeared. So they played, they, they put together, it was just, it was honestly, I, I, it was amazing stuff. It was a good, it was a good little solid t- uh, story to tell. And, you know, again, they, they prepared, he's preparing for a match. He goes to a discovery zone and he's trying to go through all these little kid things and he's they're playing the Rocky music over it and shit like that. And it, it was, it, everything worked. So here I come the antagonist and, you know, uh, there was, you know, I take this, this, I take this bitch and I power bomb it through a fucking table, you know, and what, you know, Hey, what are you doing to my girl? That's the, you know, the person I love. So really the end game was a love connection. And we had these series of matches that were, you know, it was, it was so easy. It was so easy to draw uh, the people into what we were doing. And we, we, we told a, a fantastic story, but again, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw a little, uh, parsley on this here it, 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 well the parsley is the shit that don't matter let's throw a little spice on here there can always be a time where we know oh yeah no it's bullshit there's shit that happens in a ring and it's unplanned and it could be real and it it, it, it could be you know real heat in there and stuff like that but you know in, the, in this case we, we we were really going at each other and we had to have this i think it ended up the rubber match and the, the culmination of everything was this big hardcore match and we wrestled all over the sportatory. So anyway, um, uh, I try to set up a ladder to throw Kip off the ladder. And Mikey runs out and throws fireball in my face. So I do know that you don't just want to take a fireball to the face where your face is completely dry and your hair is in front of your face. It will singe the hair right off of you. Okay, it, oh, it, God. The, the the trick to a fireball is there's no trick. Okay, there's no trick to this. It's it's not like I could put on flame retardant bullshit and, and be protected by the flame. You gotta take a fireball to the face. Guess what, kid? You gotta go take a fireball to the face. Okay. There is one little detail, it's called water. Okay, so I was told, you know, throw some water on yourself, you know, make sure you're wet and, and that. You know, you don't singe all this bullshit. Because I had the beard at the time, too. Well, you know, matches get out of hand, and we were kicking the shit out of each other. I mean, like, it was probably one of the hardest matches I had had, and I had wrestled guys ten times bigger than him. And we were just having this knockout, dragout, uh, you know, hardcore uh, match all over the building. And I remember going up the ladder, and there's Mikey, and I – here comes this flame, and like I, I would say, it was seconds before the flame. I was like, "Oh shit, I don't have water on me!" Boom! I take this, this humongous fireball and just fall on everybody off the ladder, and then you know, Kip, Kip jumps off the the top of our. We have a storage closet in the sports I mean, you know, he just jumped off the storage closet, put me through a table, one, two, three, you know. So it's just like, yeah. So fireballs, just so I know, I think I've seen this reoccurring fireball thing in a lot of your podcasts. Uh, 
fireballs, you you, you kind of want to have water on you so it doesn't singe off all the hair on your face. And this uh, one side of my beard was more like like my right side because that's what I'm remembering. The whole beard was singed right off. <sighs> so it, it's like, you know, shit happens. You know, it, 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 this is what I signed up for. I'm, you know, it was all good. You know, we had a great match. Um, and, and, you know, it kind of like we got the job done at the end of the day. But you know, it was a lesson learned. I ended up having matches with Alex Reynolds uh, before we had shut down with the pandemic. And and, and it was like, you know, again, we <laughs> I got revisited with the fireball because Alex Reynolds was doing the uh, fireball gimmick and I took two of them to the face. He had, the, but his deal wasn't like this big, humongous uh, uh, fireball flame. His was just kind of like bullets. They would shoot like these bullet flames out. So those were interesting. And that led into, a bigger feud with him that never came to fruition because we just couldn't get it done. We had shut down, but you know, again, sometimes things don't go according to plan, but um, it actually kind of reminds me of the psycho circus we did here. I, I don't, it's probably the last psycho circus I ever did. I don't remember the year. Uh, it was snowing outside. We had a, we had a snowstorm and Mikey decides to enter the circus. I was, I believe I was already in there at that point um, and pull out a garbage can full of snow. So instead of throwing a garbage can full of weapons in the ring, next thing you know, here comes all this snow. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, no, <laughs> we'll just we'll just keep going, you know, like no, no problem. All right, just keep going. And now so snow belts. Now the ring's wet. There's a bunch of puddles all over places. So I remember I, I just he set up and and kind of just left it there. There was a table between the apron and the guardrails. And it was just nobody, no, nobody had gone through it. And I had him on the apron and I go to run at him. And I take this stupid ass slip. Like I just kind of right across to him. And then next thing I know, I got flipped over the top and I just couldn't control it. And seconds later, I went right through a table. And it was probably the worst table shot I ever took because that table exploded. And I nailed my, my tailbone right on the cement. That was the last time I was ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it's, you know, shit happens, but what are you going to do? But why would I? I wouldn't want to go on the internet and kind of expose it either. Yeah. Tell everybody, hey, by the way, I, I really got hurt, but it's okay. Uh, you know, because you know, I planned it out. You know, I just it is what it is. It's just things like that. I I, I that's not my deal. Yeah, the thing about with the the me and Voxy, that was about the time like there was no MySpace yet. No, no. Well, MySpace was around 2006, but I don't think. I think MySpace wasn't used in that that way ever during MySpace's like big time round, and and then even Facebook was in the infancy stages of time, and you had the stupid button gimmick where you could find buttons on Facebook and put them on a a cork board on your Facebook page. It wasn't used in in the ways that it is today. Facebook, you had to belong to a school to actually yes, uh, yeah, to get to get on it. So I it was, did, I did not belong to a school, so I I couldn't get on until it went into like free based social media bullshit. But yeah, yeah you know, I just you know, I, I just it wasn't we we were so in tune to never speak of what we did. I mean, there were times I had wrestling matches in the first ten years that I was around. Excuse me, my family didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, when if I had to go back and I had to talk to my family about something that happened, I didn't tell them what was I, I they they weren't on the inn. The only people that were on the inn were the people behind the curtain. And uh I shit, I went out there and I sold it to co-workers. I sold wrestling to co-workers and friends, family, and everything else. And it was just, you know, it was just so easy to do because again, there wasn't that reach 
And, uh, you know, um, it was just that's what made for a better show. You know, I couldn't get to you guys at any point and expose anything because, you, you know, there wasn't a Dicky Rod's Facebook. There wasn't like the popular thing to do is have a Twitter, a, you know, a Twitch, a, you know, a website, a freaking Facebook page, whatever the case, an Instagram page. You know, you weren't seeing anything. And in, in if we were to use those tools in the correct way today, we'd probably make uh, wrestling the way it was back in the day where you can actually ho- have a surprise because you're not even getting surprised on television anymore. Mm-hmm. They can't hold a surprise. So yeah. I think, I think the biggest surprise was probably seeing great moon in Madison square garden, which <laughs> I, I never, I would never forget that one. That was, I don't think anybody knew about that surprise really. And anybody well, expected that. It's amazing. They kept it a secret, <clears throat> you know, number, number okay. 30 in the battle Royal. So, for me, my biggest surprise at an NYWC show ever was when Tommy Dreamer came out for one. I forgot what match it was in. The Psycho Circus. Oh, Psycho Circus. It was again Matt Stricker. And the man, the, his, he didn't have a good, he had his theme song, and I marked out so hard. I oh, just, uh, uh, Tommy's theme song, Man in a Box? Yes, it came yeah. on, and I marked up so hard. I jumped up. Oh. I, yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me for NYWC show was when Mick Foley showed up. I agree. With, Mick Foley I and that Patch was like Hawk. The community center, though, right? No, that was Patch Hog. I think it was oh. Patch Hog. We we had we had I you know he he did a lot of appearances for us and he was really kind about them. He um we we had a show in Deer Park at um I think it was Deer Park Middle School. We had sold, I, I believe, and, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not shooting a fake number. We we had about 800 tickets sold. Wow. And I remember, um, I don't even remember what I did on that show. But what I remember the most about it was we were all by the curtain. And Foley was an absolute surprise. So we didn't sell the show. God, I, I don't remember who was on the show that we sold, you know, that, that everybody was coming to see. Because I know we did have, at that point, we were bringing a lot of names. Well, nobody knew about Mick Foley. Mick was doing it as a favor to Mikey. They had known each other from ECW. Uh, Mick's a, a, one of the, the, you know, he's one of the nicest guys you meet. So all of a sudden we realized there were people leaving. And we had this just big surprise at the end of the show because the shows, you know, tend they, they ran long. You know, sometimes when you had so many matches to get to and and whatever the case may be, the, the, the sh- you know, the shit wouldn't run long. So we saw Mikey for the end of like the main event and it was just going to be this big, big surprise. And at that time it was when, you know, you really didn't see Foley. And I remember Greg Stangle who um, had got us hooked up with the Deer Park schools because I believe he had worked for them at at some point and he was also running the community center. So he was helping us out at the community center. Um, He was actually going out and telling people, go back in, go back in. Don't worry. It's not the other show. It's not the other show. Blah, blah, blah. And when Foley went through that curtain, oh, holy shit. I mean, his just his music hitting, that I never heard a place erupt like that in my entire life, you know, where it was just so loud. You couldn't hear yourself. And it was because Mikey came through the curtain to get somebody. He comes back out. There's Mick Foley. That play, it, it, they never died. The crowd never died. It was just absolutely on top for the rest of the show. That was the biggest surprise, I think, at an NYWC show right there. Oh, for sure. I mean, we we did we did we also were at the community center. We were running other buildings too. At one point, uh, when the Dudley Boys were released from the WWE, and um, I remember I was teaming with Mason Rage, and 
you know, they sat us down in the office and said, listen, we're bringing in the Dudleys. So we want you guys to, to wrestle them. And I'm, you know, I look over Mason, I'm like, you know, I just, I, oh shit. You know, like that was one of the toughest teams in, in wrestling, you know. And I'm just like, uh, all right, let's, you know, I'll do it. You know, I mean, there was a big part of me that was really excited. But at the same time, there's a big part of me that was like, oh, you know, oh shit, you know. So we went, we, we, you know, and that was the the day, that day we were at a, the, the show prior, we were at community center and they were going to let the cow of the bag that uh, Team 3D was coming uh, the next, the next month. So we had to set everything up and it was in a gift box. And, you know, we, we Mason and I are in the ring. We pulled a gift box and we opened the shirt. And you open the box. There's this, this handmade shirt. I think Spider made it, actually. And it said Team 3D. And we're like, what? You know, we're kind of just looking at each other. What the fuck? And then, as you know, the, the Dudley Boys music hit. We we ran. I mean, we literally. And it was so funny because Mason was the tough guy of the team. But we, we just, just totally darted out of the ring. And jumped the barrier. So now we're standing with the fans. And the next thing Mikey came out and he's like, ha ha, fool you. They're not here. You know, and then we're like, oh, you know, what the fuck? What the fuck? And he's like, oh, but next month you're going to, you're going to have to, you know, wrestle the Dudley boys. And I was like, oh, shit. So the stage was set. We end up, you know, we end up advertising the Dudleys. And it was one of the, again, another big draw for the company. We had their first appearance, uh, appearance, Jesus. We had their first appearance. There we go again. Hey, I can't. <laughs> Hey, if you're still there, by the way, Dickie can't speak English. It was their first appearance out of, there we go. It was their first appearance out of, <coughs> excuse me, the WWE. After they had left, they had, they had not worked an independent company. And they were coming into us. And the draw was huge. And I remember it very, very vividly. I, you know, my, my family was there. The girl that I was dating at the time, my girlfriend, her family was there. I had neighbors there, co-workers. So, like, there was a good portion, you know, because these people were like, holy shit, you're going to wrestle? Yeah, I'm going to wrestle the Dudleys. Hey, come on down because I'm going to beat them. You know, that is what we did. I'm not going to lose. I'm fucking, I'm going to beat these assholes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, so, again, we sold the shit out of it. Packed house. And uh, it ended up being me and, and Mason and Crusher against uh, the Dudleys and Trent Beretta. And, uh it was like anything that could go wrong for me went wrong, you know, and from the minute that I walked through the curtain to the minute that I got back to the curtain, that was a fucking nightmare. Okay. And it's, and, and it was like one of those experiences that it was just, it blew my mind to the point of what the fuck just happened, you know, and, you know, to the point of, you know, being in the back and everything was brother, 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 brother. Oh, okay. No problem. We get out there and it was just a completely different, you know, situation. And I just remember hearing, you know, Bubba just, you know, he was, you know, I, he was an asshole. He was an asshole to me. You know, I was just like, what the fuck you doing? Kick it up. Blah, blah, blah. He's just trying to direct me. And it wasn't anything that was that was kind of mapped out. And I just remember, you know, at the next point, he's like, what's wrong with you, kid? Wake up. And he throws me in the corner. He throws me. He throws me in the corner and just kind of tips my head up and chops the shit out of me. And I think it was like the first time at that point where I just sat there and went, I don't know why the fuck I'm in a wrestling ring <laughs> because I was just tossed around like paper. <laughs> it would literally, it was a perfect example of, Hey man, if somebody wants to, 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 to hurt you, they can. If somebody wants to legitimately pretty much kill you, Oh, they can, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we go through this whole, we go through this whole match and, and uh, 
Trent Gibbs uh, Crusher, some kind of 450 or whatever the hell he was doing at the time, you know, and they win the match and Crusher's rolling out and we, you know, we get set to continue to do what we were supposed to do at that time and Crusher's blue and he's barely breathing. And Mace and I were like, what, what's wrong? You all right? You all right? And he's barely getting out his words. So we're just kind of there because we had like a real situation going on. And um, Mason looks over at me in, in a, in a real situation of, you know, shit, this guy's hurt. He looks over at me and goes, Dickie, we got to get in the ring. And I just kind of look at him and go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right now. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just leave him here. And he's like, dude, what about the spot? And I'm just like, what the, before I can even get a, 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 an audible answer out of my mouth, next thing I know, I just felt this big smack on the back of my head. And I hear, and I just, and it's Bubba, and he's just like, what the fuck you do? Can you get the fuck in the ring? And just kind of tosses me in the ring. And I'm now, I would probably went from white to absolute Casper white of like, oh, fuck. You know, like, I fucked up. Because, <laughs> you know, what was supposed to be happening was not happening. And it was, it was you know, the 3D spot, you know. So I throw in the ring and, and next thing you know, before I can eat and like everything feels like it's like, like an eternity, but when you're wrestling, everything is like within seconds. And next thing you know, I'm in, you know, Devon's hands and he's just kind of giving me the worst fucking body slam he could ever give me. Cause you know, at this point I'm, I'm as green as goose shit in their eyes and they don't give a shit. He's just like, you're going through the table and just kind of pops me down. I'm like, Oh, um, I don't think this is, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this would be a good time to tell him I've never gone through a table. So uh, I'm just like, you know, yeah, no, I'm literally, I'm literally about to shit myself as I'm just going, okay, I don't know what the fuck's going on. One, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not too ashamed of me. I was scared out of my fucking mind. Two, I'm about to go through a table. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know how the fuck I'm doing. And here's, you know, Devon set me up to the top with Bubba and he just, you know, Bubba didn't even do the sit down. He did with uh, Mae Young on TV. He just fucking tossed me right off the so all I seen was this flip of, of life. And they said, I looked down and it was funny enough. Ironically, there's my girlfriend's family and they just saw a look on my face. And I said, I went through a table. <laughs> like, oh, I'm shit. just like, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, man. I mean, we, again, we had some great times, you know, I, and I, you know, I look back on it. It was, it was kind of a, it was a rough night, you know, and then, and I just look back and it was a learning experience again. And it was just like one of those things where it's like, okay, well, expect the unexpected and don't fuck up, you know, this. So, but you know, anyway, what else you guys got for me? Uh, do you okay. still talk? Do you still oh. talk to Mason? Uh, no, actually Mason. So Mason in the height of um, what probably could have to this day, been one of the biggest feuds in our company because we had built this thing up so good. You know, we, we, we split up, we did the, the whole turn. I, I hit him on the head with the chair. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. So I, I legitimately, yeah. I busted him open legitimately with uh, the fucking lip of the chair. I, you know, and it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't intentional, you know, but anyway, but that skyrocketed launched one of the biggest feuds we, we had up to that point. And, um, you know, he ended up, you know, contacting OVW and he ended up leaving and going to OVW. So it, it was, yeah, you know, and, and again, it, there was nothing wrong with that. At that time, OVW was so new. So OVW, I think, started in like 2003. So 
you know, just a backstory to the importance of it was, you know, that was the development story of the WWE, and that's how Mondo got his start. So Mondo, um, he wrestled for a year with us, trained with a year, got on shows really fast. Next thing you know, he wanted that higher learning. He want, you know, he had, you know, for foregone the the whole football and college deal, and he's like, I'm going to OBW. Went to OBW, paid his way, and within a year, I think he was signed to a contract. So you got to understand from 2003 to 2006 when there's Mason at the end of 2006, we broke up in October. Mason wanted to, you know, spread his wings and get that higher education. He wanted the contract, you know, he was a school teacher. He was a good school teacher. He was well-paid. He had a good future. And here's this guy who on the weekends is putting tights on. He was a fucking giant. He was 240 pounds of muscle and he gave up, a um you know a life of being set to hey i want to take this chance and i respect him for that he ended up leaving went to obw by the time our feud had ended which was really fucking good i mean we we you know i ended up wrestling jerry lynn in that that november for the title i ended up losing jerry you know jerry was so like Jerry Lynn is one of the nicest guys in the world. And he's like one of those guys that will pull you aside and teach you everything you need to be taught to make you a better worker. Cause he wanted to legitimately see everybody better that he worked with and knew and that he liked. Um, so we ended up going back to the, you know, it went back to the creative table and ended up winning the title that December to set it up for Mason because it was such a great story. You know, I, I was this little piece of shit that, thought he was bigger than what he was because I had Mason doing my dirty work. And, and I decided, Hey, fuck you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn on you and I'm going to be a star, but I was still a chicken shit. And that's where the superstar came from. So we were in the midst of something very, very big. And he ended up hightailing it over to Louisville. Um, and he paid his own way. He wanted, you know, he wanted that contract really bad. I, I give him a lot of credit for doing what he thought he had to do. We ended up going to psycho circus that January. Um, it was decided Hey, you're you're gonna get the you know, Dickie's getting the fuck out of Dodge with that belt, and I remember they, they <laughs> one of the eliminations was you had to get put through a table at that time, so Mason put me through a table. I fucking rolled off that table. I put Mike Spinelli on that table. You know, uh, I'm sorry, he put Mike Spinelli through the table. I rolled Mike Spinelli off. I laid on the table, and I was eliminated. And I got myself out of there. And I kept the belt. Mm-hmm. So you know, there was only one way to win the belt. Elimination occurred through the table, but it, you couldn't win the title. So I went into a cycle circus with my tights on, with the belt around my waist, and I walked out the same way. Mm-hmm. So we had built this thing so big that I remember it was the first time that I had ever looked. Uh, so that February, the next month, we got February, where Mason was going, you know, this is a big match. We get in there, and I'd never seen the Deer Park Community Center so filled. We had the that, back door. You, it was at an aftermath show. So, you know, the back doors that were, in, you know, that led to the outside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. back. They were open and we had people, you know, at those doors because it was just it just worked. I, I remember um the almost like that place was so packed. I remember I'm like, oh crap, the fire department's gonna come and they're gonna <laughs> shut the show down because that's how packed that place got. There were plenty of times we got lucky. I mean, sometimes when you do the right thing, like NYWC, you know, there's one thing I can say is we always did the right thing. And, you know, of course, we wanted to make money, as much money as we could at the time. We didn't want to turn away people. I, I, personally, I, I, I would think that, excuse me, the people that were outside the door didn't even pay. I think they were just watching at that point. But, we, you know, we abide by the rules as best we could with the, you know, the, the commission. We had, we had a good 
a good rapport with them. So really, you know, like you said, we were about the fire department, it, it, you know, unless somebody called them because they were uncomfortable, that was going to happen, you know? So here we are. And, and it, it was at that point in time, you know, for the Mason Dickey match, I think that was a turning point for us because, you know, we had, we had gotten into the Deer Park Community Center in 2003 it was, you know, I can't, I can't say we had sellouts back then. We didn't. We did. We get a good amount of people for sure. But business picked up when Mikey joined, when he came on board in 03, the same show that, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Mondo had left, uh, everything changed. You know, uh, Shane came on board, Mikey came on board, and everything just took a, a, a big, you know, uh, 180. And it just changed the company for forever. And it changed it for the good. So here we are. We, you know, we went through 2005. I think 2004 was very low. 2005, everything picked up because Mikey had full control. He knew what he was doing. He still knows what he's doing. Um, he he made people better than what they were. He was able to do the smoke and mirrors where, where certain people lacked. He made the rest of it come out. And that's what helped me. So, you know, where I lacked, and, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I had serious lackings in a lot of areas where he made everything that I was good at come through. And that's how I was able to be the top guy and be the champion and be believable. So we got to this point where, he, you know, I'm on a second title reign and it was to really get Mason over. We get to the community center and places sold out. You're waiting for this match. I, I can almost remember it. Um, like it was yesterday, how much people were just waiting for this because Mason was just this big monster. You know, Mason had thrown guys into, you know, the audio equipment. I mean, he, like, field guys and audio equipment, like, beat the shit out of people. And that was not even a character because there was a time where I needed to um, completely turn around what I was doing, and Mason was there to back me up. So they said, Dickie, you need to go out there and be who you are. You need to be that heel. You need to be that bad guy. You really need to, to believe your bullshit. And I did when I had a guy that was 240 fucking pounds behind me that had every muscle and every, you know, strength in the book to do it. So, you know, it was reality. Everything that we did with Mason was reality. I was this little piece of shit that didn't get in the ring until he beat the shit out of the guy and I could take control because that's where I, that's where I excel. Mm -hmm. And we get to this match and we turn into a wrestling match and it, it shit the bit. Mm. You know, it just didn't do it didn't do exactly what we wanted it to do because he went to OVW and OVW turned our monster into a technical wrestler. So at the end of the day, it was. You know, it was OK. It was a farm church. Hmm. So uh, what was the first what was the first moment in your wrestling career that you went to the curtain and you knew I made it. Well, making it is, is a lot of definitions to making it, but and again, everybody thinks making it is going to WWE, going to AEW, getting on a plane at eight in the morning and having to fly to Jacksonville. <laughs> but um, that's you know what, hey man, I, I, this is an inside joke. That's what friends do. So, but anyway, uh, making it, you know, um, I mean like a. I, mean, I don't mean like I don't I don't mean like making it like WWE making it like in like in one of your spots you did in your in NYWC like what was the first like it's hard to explain like no, I, think your, I, I mean like where where I felt that I was a top, top guy or yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that, that's what I meant. That, you know, it's, it's it, honestly, um, you know, when you go back to very early on, you know, between 2000 and 2003, there was no such thing because we were so small. We were student shows. Um, we didn't really, you know, become anything until, like I said, Mikey had joined the fold and Shane uh, joined John Curse as an owner. Um, and they kind of, the three of them really turned everything around and, and, and gave us something to feel like we've made it, so to speak, like you're asking. Um, so it, it honestly, there were so many years that I was there already where I couldn't have that. I made it moment. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, if I really had to put a finger on it, um, as far as kind of making it with the company, it would be 2006. Um, we, it was mid year we were having, um, so we had done the company where we built it around Jerry Lynn and Spike Dudley because, um, what's up? I think I was at that one. Well, they oh. were, they were with us for multiple shows. But the problem was, is that we used so, to, do you remember Battle Royal? I think uh, Spike had won the title, Last Limiting Jerry Lynn. I, that, that was around that time. But right. so the plan was they, so that off shot off of Mason and I. So Mason couldn't commit to dates. He, he, he needed to be at OVW. So we were going to lose Mason. So I think the the, the the damn title went up on a battle royal and then Spike took it and then Spike and Jerry were going to feud over it. Unfortunately, because they were in demand at the time, and they, again, another two guys that turned the company around and were very vital to the company, they couldn't make the dates. So I think I had gotten the, the you know, I was pulled aside. I was wrestling for the interstate title uh, uh, that day and I was pulled aside and I was told, hey, uh, we got to change directions here. And, I, you know, um, I think that that would be the biggest turning point ever for me and realizing my worth to NYWC where, Hey, we're going to trust you. We have nobody else. And not, it wasn't a case of we had, we have nobody else. We're going to dump the belt on Dickie because you know, he's here all the time or whatever the case may be. It was, we need to dump the belt on Dickie because we we're going to lose the two guys that we, we were building around. So um, we need to change directions. We need to go back to you and go do your thing. I want you to, to, it was basically, it was basically said to me, you need to take this. You need to make this thing. You need to make it work. Whatever the hell you need to do, just go out there and do it. And we, you know, and I was with Crusher and we went out there and we took it. And that's where I would say, if anything, during the course of the time, that's where everything turned around for me. And I had worth. And I think at that point it was the beginning of self-worth because I think that's the hardest thing to get in life is self-worth where you can look at yourself in the mirror and realize, Hey, I'm worth this. Uh, when you, you know, you, everything starts to come together. So yeah, that would be where I took it. I had the longest reign at the time. Um, it came, unfortunately, uh, being the champion, uh, didn't come without, you know, it's, it's fair share weight on the shoulders. You know, we were the only company in New York. Uh, Frank Goodman had left. There was nothing else going on. There was another company that was, you know, maybe 30 minutes away from us and they were in their own bubble at the time. Uh, they, you know, they weren't any kind of threat, nothing. And um, we were, we were known on the Northeast to be the place, you know, if you want to get good work in New York, you came to New York wrestling connection, you came to NYWC. So 
Yeah, there was a huge weight where it was like, okay, Dickie's the man. I felt it. I did it. Uh, the stories that some of the guys told me 10 years down the road where they felt I held them down or this other thing because they failed at certain things to get through to the, you know, the guys that ran the place and they wanted their shot. They felt I held them down and it wasn't even the case. I didn't even know what the hell was going on except for my stuff. But, you know, again, it came with, it came with, you know, these rocks that you're just holding, you know, because you had all this responsibility and, you know, it came to the point where I started having arguments with, um, you know, some of the guys that ran the company. And I, there was one night I was, I was pulled into the locker room and said, hey, uh, would you mind dropping the belt to Xavier? I said, fuck no. Xavier was over. He's huge. God rest his soul. Rest in peace, man. I, you know, I love that guy. No problems with him. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away early. But it wasn't that I didn't want to do business. It was that I still had business to do with this belt. You know, I felt that I had more to do. There was a time during the run uh, where I'd taken 2006 it was one month later. I had matches with Tony Nice. Tony and I, Tony Nice and I were killing it. They came to me, Dickie. Would you mind dropping the belt to Tony? I says I love Tony. You know, he, he's great. He's absolutely phenomenal. He was just he could do things I could never do. But at the same time, even Crusher had told me before he had to walk away from wrestling for a little bit. He said to me, "If you feel that you have more to do, then you go do it." And it was one. And again, that again, it's taught, go back to the feeling like you have arrived. I had enough confidence to say, hey, I got more to do here. I can do more with this belt. So, again, I refused. I, we made you know, we did good business. We, we, we worked together. We came with things. But eventually everything comes to a head, whether it's a, a small uh, independent company in Deer Park or it's the WWE. The stress gets to you. There's a lot of stress that goes on. And I, I, I don't think a lot of people really, I think there's a lot of guys that went to WWE that came from just me laughing at me, even saying there's stress coming with what I did. But there was, there was a lot of freaking stress, a lot. And it came, it got to me. I was making wrong choices. I was saying the wrong things to the guys that ran the company. And eventually it came down to, hey, Dickie, if you're so unhappy, you need to drop this belt. You need to get rid of this thing. And I did. And it was probably the worst decision I had made. Because I, I cut my, I sold myself short. I cut my, I cut my knees out from under me and I decided, Hey, I don't want to do this. And I had to take a sabbatical from NYWC for a few months because, you know, we, I wasn't seeing out of eye. I wasn't a team player and that's bullshit. In any, in any walk of life, in any job that we do and anything that we're passionate about or anything that we're doing that we're getting paid for or we're doing or whatever the case may be, you got to play by the rules. There's times that you're going to get away with not, but you got to play by the rules. You got to be a businessman. And at that time, I felt that things were off and, you know, shit hit the wall and I had to leave. So I walked away for a little bit, clear my head, came back. Mm. But that's where, you know, going back to the original thing, that's where I arrived. And I, you know, I ended up, I, I came back, you know, I was down on my luck. I, I, at that point, I, you know, I hate to say it, I let some people get in my ear. I ended up going to the, uh, what the fuck was that shit called? Order of the Black. You know, I was the fallen superstar. I was talked into coming into the Order of the Black, and I think I kind of uh, accepted it when Crusher kind of said, "Hey, yeah, no, you know, when he got wind of the idea, you know, come on in, you know, it'll, you know, it'll help you." And after a little while of that, I, you know, um, it got to the point again where uh, shit was bad. I had, you know, um, I had guys talking behind my back. I had somebody um, relaying information that was inaccurate 
that was total bullshit. It wasn't me. It was actually that person and using me as a scapegoat because, again, he fed off the, the deal where I had already had problems with the company and I wasn't seeing on I won the owners. So he used it. And again, there I go out the door. I had to take another sabbatical because, you know, it's it's going to be the blame is going to be put on the, you know, the, the guy, obviously the, the, the worker, not the one of the owners. But at the same time, what sounds good, that's not the truth, is going to be believed. And that's what happened to me. And I had to leave again. And then I finally came back and I teamed. I ended, That's when I had a team with Nikki left again, because once again, the same bullshit at the fan, I leave again. And that was, and it was that time, you know, going back, circling back to this. So, you know, we can, you know, put a bow on everything as Conrad Thompson would say, um, you know, when I came back in 2018, I think I came back a lot more mature. I came back as a man, not a kid. I came back as somebody who's had, way more experienced than I probably should have at that point with bullshit. Um, in the time that I was away from NYWC, I had went on the road. I worked with um, um, the vets of, of wrestling. I worked with some of the top guys who had ever drawn money. I was able to get chance meetings with some of these guys and sit down and learn and understand that, Hey man, you know, nobody's perfect, you know, and, and you are going to make mistakes. But the thing is, if you're learning from it and then you're applying it and, and moving forward is what the, the bigger, the bigger lesson is. So I had done that. I, you know, I had went over, you know, I went a couple of times over, it was actually close to my house. I went over to Creative Pro, Brian, you know, uh, Kurt Hawkins and uh, Pat Buck had opened up Creative Pro. And, uh, you know, a couple months after that, Nikki had convinced me, why don't you come down? Um, again, wrestling is a very fickle thing inside the business. You think you have heat with people. I was welcomed. I, I, you know, I just needed a place to have a home to train in. I ended up doing some of their, their beginning shows when they were starting out. And again, I have not, I have nothing but nice things to say about them because again, they kept me alive. They, they, they kept the passion going. I ended up going to Florida during those years. I visited, uh, uh, an old NYWC guy named Scyther, you know, Scyther lost, you know, a career match here. He ended up going to China. He did teaching in China. He was teaching English to, to the people over in China. He ended up wrestling on the first show that ever happened in China. Um, he, you know, he forged his own path while I was fucking up my path. And we ended up meeting in the middle. You know, he opened up his own wrestling school called The Crypt down in Fort Myers. I have great friends down there. I love them to death. And at a, at a really bad, I was at a really bad place in my life between um, personal uh, a lost girlfriend. Wrestling wasn't the same. I was losing, you know, fire over uh, Creative Pro um, through nobody's fault but my own. You know, I'm not. I don't blame anybody. But my own. And then it's set up for me returning to where I had started and a better person, a clearer mind, much more to do. You know, it was like starting over again. And then, bam, here comes COVID. And it, I feel like it cut it, it cut me down where I had a great uh, story to tell, and it was wasn't it wasn't a story uh, per se like a storybook. It wasn't made up. It was the truth, and it was just me bearing my life uh, into my art and going out there and trying to get people to understand that you know if you love something enough, you're never too old, uh, you're never too beat up. Just as long as you know you get out of bed in the morning. Um, there's never a time where you should just have thrown it aside because you've made mistakes. 
just about every bridge that's ever been burned in anybody's life can be put out. And, you know, you can make a comeback no matter how old you are. And I was about to turn 40 years old last September. And that's where my rotator cuff went, you know, completely shot. Um, I ended up a week later, I went to the doctor a day later. They said no bones. I knew it was the rotator cuff. I knew it had to be something with muscles. Um, so while I was waiting for an orthopedist appointment, I went to NYWC, a closed set. I finished the damn heart and soul cup tournament, three matches. I wrestled with a completely torn rotator cuff and I'm proud of it. And I'm not saying it to get myself over, but that's what I did. And that's why, you know, Shane, uh, completely feels that I earned that cup. You know, it was part of a reason. It was a very small part of the reason, but the whole story has yet to be told. And I can't wait to be able to tell that story through my, through my body of work. And I hope that's what I get to leave behind to everybody at NYWC, to the future of, of wrestling that comes in, that no matter what, it's never as bad as you think. It's not worth to get depressed over. It's not worth to take the spiral, you know, the downward spiral. There's always a way to come back. And you just have to believe in yourself first. And you're the person that needs to take the first step. You have to take that first step to do it. And that's what I did. And now that I'm here, and I'm, you know, it brings me here today. You know, I get to talk to you guys, you know, no matter who sees it, who doesn't, there will be some people that are going to watch this. And I just hope that they can see through the faults, through the good times and the bad times, that no matter what your passion is, no matter what you're doing in life, it's never too late. And it doesn't take much to pick up a phone and say, hey, man, I fucked up. And, yeah. you know, I want to bury it. And here we are. Well, uh, I've wasted two hours of your life, by the way. We're now at an hour and 57 minutes. So I just uh, want to let you know that I have now wasted just about two hours of your life. You have not wasted anything. We're we're actually, we're actually paying attention to what you're actually saying, which is actually, which is, uh, we enjoy, uh, me and Joe enjoy the stories, by the way. I love, uh, we love stories. So. If you, if you could tell all the stories, we'll be fine. And go. I just wish that, you know, maybe I take the time to stop and, and listen to you guys a little bit, maybe tell you a good story or maybe something I shouldn't have told you. I mean, there was, you know, we did away shows before, we, you know, you guys split. You know, we did away shows a lot, too. And we had a lot of fun, you know, when the shows were over. And then and, and, um, I remember there was this one time in Monticello. We did the Monticello racetrack, and I know you know where I'm going. I never mind. Yeah, yeah, I know. We know. So we 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 worked the Monticello racetrack at least you know two times. So I'm a little unpredictable. I like to consider myself canceled because in this world, you know, there's cancel. You know, everybody's canceling everything. You'd probably want to cancel me for half the shit I've done in my life. But we we were at a hotel that was next to a bar, so you know, the, the, the big thing to go out, you know, there's nothing to do. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're out to drink to the bar. You know, of course I'm, you know, a couple of drinks in maybe a little more when I say couple, uh, and there were two young ladies at the time who wanted to, you know, just be stupid. So, Hey, you want to sit there and, and, and be, you know, some kind of tease and everything. And I, I put their money where their mouth was and, Ended up taking a shot out of someone's ass crack, and I got to see some boobs. So, you know, that's the kind of shit that after show, you know, and, and it's just kind of like, hey, you know, that's just an example. I'm going to I'm gonna leave that on the table so that you can understand that, yes, we didn't get to 
some of the stories I shouldn't say. So I left that one on the table for you so I could live up to the promo. But, yeah, we, we did some crazy shit, uh, uh, you know, and, and and it's probably better maybe we leave some of that stuff there. But that gives you the example of, hey, man, we just don't want it. We had a good time. We were young at the time. I mean, you're talking uh, 16 years ago, you know, and, and we were just all young kids and we were living the dream. And, you know, that's some of us, not all of us, had some wild nights. And that was an example of a very small portion of some of those wild nights. Well, you could always open the opportunity to come back later in uh, November when we're still available. Oh, please. The way you're booking talent, you guys are going to be booked in the next year, man. <laughs> you can come on. We got booked pretty fast, too. We didn't even yeah, think we were going to get booked that fast. Me and Geek are trying to plan a, a New Year's Eve show, so we, you can come on New Year's Eve night and give us some stories before the ball drops. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to – I'm gonna. I'll tell you this. Maybe there's not an, a second ticky in the cards for, for your program, but I want to definitely tell you that we have plenty of guys here that have come through these doors that would probably benefit from having an interview with you guys and being able to, you know, even if at, at, at if anything, be able to have the opportunity to be on a podcast, be able to, to, to just be able to learn how to express what's been going on in their life and their wrestling career. And I think you'd find a lot of interesting stories with a lot of these guys, because I'm telling you, I, you know, I don't think I've ever been, you know, between Fort Myers where Siler School is, you know, Creative Pro, but mostly NYWC. I don't, I don't think I've ever met anybody that that kind of, you know, didn't share some of my thoughts. Where this is just an unbelievable time in your life, and you just got to enjoy every minute of it while you can. It's like you guys tell the best stories between you and Damian Dragon. Tell like you guys have been telling the best stories so far. You know? oh, I mean, <laughs> look. If we if this wasn't just a show that probably should not have run two hours or one minute because you know it's dicky, but look, we you know what, maybe we will make a deal. I'll, I'll get a hold of you guys soon. We'll talk again. Maybe yeah. hey, we can have gaming and myself on the show at the same time. Find yeah. guys oh, that, oh man, you know, <laughs> I, I got no problems with that. Maybe even you know, convince some of the older guys, but there's so much stuff that's happened, and there's probably a lot more stuff that I don't remember that somebody else can remember and I can add to it, but. You know, 20 years is a long time. Um, there's a lot of guys, you know, even though some of those guys weren't, you know, completely there for 20 years, not just NYWC, but the independent scene. You know, i tell you something. There's just a lot of stuff that, I mean, we could talk for hours. We could probably talk for days, some of these guys, you know. Uh, I, I tell Joe we could talk till 2 in the morning if, if everybody's up for it, man. We could talk till 2 in the morning. <laughs> but well, I think – I know you – did you ever get an opportunity to wrestle Amazing Red? That's one of the guys asking the questions. We never got around to it. Yeah. Amazing, Amazing Red, I trained with. I he were there was times that he was down at uh, NYWC Training Academy way long time ago. Amazing Red. Um, uh, I remember the only other memory I have of him, other than training with him a few times in the SATs that used to come down to NYWC as well. Uh, you know, very quickly I was in the Elks Lodge. I was making my Elks Lodge debut for Frank Goodman, and he was on the stage. That's in the Elks Lodge, the old Elks Lodge, where ECW ran. He was standing there with me, and he started talking to me. And, I, you know, I was just kind of like, what the hell are you talking to me for? I'm, you know, I was so new, and, you know, I wasn't anybody to him. And he was such a great dude, you know. And we just talked a little business, and that was it, and walked away. But I did have some kind of – I did have some um, wrestling uh, uh, past with him as far as training. But other than that, no, I never got to wrestle him in a match. Mm. Uh, 
it was one of our one of our guests, one of our customers, my fans were like re- wrote that, and I'm like, we're not answering that question. I better drop on it before someone gets mad at us. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for sure. You know, listen, if anybody, whoever got to wrestle Amazing Red was very lucky because he's just and he's back too. Stuff. He's back. He's back actually. Is he? Yeah, he wrestled. I think Osprey. Um, what was it like a year or two ago? And in a return match, and he's been wrestling New Japan, but um, I don't know if he since the pandemic. I don't know if he's been wrestling lately, though. Well, you know what? A lot of those questions will be answered soon as the world starts opening up, and you know, it's just it's one of those things that you know we don't know who's going to come back. You know, lives lives are all going to take different turns at this point. You know, uh, but I mean, you know, you never, never can say never. It might take more than you know everything opening back up and going back to you know, the new norm or the norm or what the hell it's going to be. But yeah, you know, we all got accustomed to sitting at home for a while. Some guys were paid to sit home, whatever they can like me. I, you know, I'm at UPS. I never stopped until I had to go get surgery. So, you know, everybody did something different during this thing. So who knows who's going to, to, you know, pop back up again, but I'm pretty confident that, you know, most, if not everybody that was a part of independent wrestling and, 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 you know, main stages, I'm sure, you know, you'll see them all again. I mean, without giving anything away, um, would there be? You think there'll be a reset button for NYWC after the pandemic, or uh... for, for sure? And, and you know, good thing you you dropped that in before we we head out of here. But yes, you know the the you know, like I said, we had a choice uh, during this pandemic to either just sit and do nothing or produce a, a show. Um, I would have liked to have seen a weekly show during the pandemic, but it was just too hard. It was very, you know, it was a lot of responsibility to put on the the people that make up the production team to get it out there. And I respect that. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things that we couldn't make happen, but we did put together the show. So, you know, at the end of the series that we're doing now with that, we will, I'm sure that we're going to come back and we're going to have more content on YouTube. But as far as NYWC returning, you know, after as as we're starting to return to normal, yeah, you know, it's been talked about. It's ready to go. Uh, if I had to take a educated guess, I would tell you that NYWC should be returning as early as July. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. When and if that show comes back, uh, if we me and Geek in a, to attend that show, can we? Uh, we have a, a Dicky uh, Joe. Uh, Metal Geek picture? We could take Absolutely a- not. No. I, I take <laughs> pictures with guys named Metal Geek and Joe Panther Jr. They're just on my no list. <laughs> okay, no I'll bring a sticker just in case. I'll be like, here, maybe this will work. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, like, no. Of course, man. You, you know, you guys, you know, I, I appreciate you guys being fans of NYWC from back in the day. I uh, appreciate you reaching out and, and, you know, wanting to talk. Um it's, it's been a blast. I, obviously, you guys come down to NYWC. Shoot me a message. Let me know you guys are coming down, you know, as soon as the show is announced and we're ready to go. And believe me, you know, whatever you want, you guys are going to get it. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, you know. Cool. 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 Thank you. Um, Thank I don't know. Like, uh, you mentioned Spike Dudley a little bit earlier. Um, I actually remember the time he, him and Ultimo Dragon made an appearance in uh, NYWC. Oh, that, that was that. That was at Pat Med. That was at Pat Med. That was yeah. at Pat Mondo came back to that that time. Yeah, that Mike Mondo. Back. Yeah, that was the show. And yep. Um, yep. I remember. I don't want to throw out names, but uh, this was the time when he was not allowed to use the word Spike Dudley. So yes. he um, he 
like he was about to write Mike Heisen on my on my ticket, sign my ticket. He wrote <laughs> Spike. He wrote Spike. He's like, fuck it, I'm gonna write Spike Dudley instead. <laughs> Who, who's gonna say that? You know, who's gonna say anything about that? Fuck it, you know, just like you said, it, it didn't fucking matter. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that was that show was a big show. That was uh, you know, Mondo returned for the first time since going to WWE. He was given special permission that night. We we had Ultimo Dragon, who I think wrestled Tony Nice that night. He wrestled Maverick. I think, um, I think it was a tag match. Was it okay? So, but Nice was definitely in that match, from what I can remember. Um, I wrestled twice that night. I had the I had to wrestle Mondo in the opener, and then I had to wrestle the main event with Mason Rage and, and Spike Dudley and, uh, and Ultimo I, and Mike. No, Mondo. Mondo was in that match. It was, it was Mondo? It was because I, I, I remember. Ult, I thought Ultimo was in the main event. No, I didn't. No, believe me, I was there. I did the not to pat you know. Hey, I did the main event. (laughs) He went there. Trust me, Ultimo. Ultimo wanted to wrestle so he could sell his merch in intermission. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because um, my memory's not great, so you know it was a long time ago. So, dude, trust me, I'm I'm with you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But Joe, you have anything else or uh? Um, if if. Yeah, nothing else, Peter. We don't want to hold you up anymore, uh, Dicky. We know it's probably late for you because you have an overnight job. So yeah, yeah, I gotta get my beauty sleep, guys. What the hell? The <laughs> <laughs> weekend for, do something. for sure. We want to get some views on this, and I think if people see two minutes, two hours, and eight minutes of Dicky talk, and I don't think they're gonna watch. But but uh, no, um, honestly, you know, guys, thanks, uh, thanks a lot, and uh, you know, for for inviting me on here, and we'll you know we'll we'll chat every anytime you want to you know hit me up for something nywc related you're more than welcome to and um i think that uh we'll try to get some of the the other the other guys on that are ready to break out into the independent world for you i'll get you in contact with them and have anybody from the past that you guys want to you know get a hold of i'll do my best for you you know um you know it just i think it's pretty cool that you know you did an nywc week you know but uh, next time we do it i'm going to get you guys for every day of the week current and some of the past ones that really made an impact on the company for you mm-hmm. of course and maybe try to get the boss of the uh the big uh i would love to get l- listen i would love to get you curse i'd love to get you shane and i'd love to get you mikey but all oh. those guys don't do things like this so we're just really? you, yeah. yeah no they're just they're buried to themselves in private but all great guys you know if it wasn't for curse you know at the very end of this i should drop this in if it wasn't for Curse, there would be no NYWC. There would be nobody else here. You know, Curse kept that going. Uh, knee? Is that what, 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 what? Are you trying to tell me something? Okay. So, <laughs> it was, yeah, you know, production. Um, if there was no Curse, there would be no company. Curse uh, kept the doors open at, at, a, at a point where we should have closed very early on and there would have been no NYWC ever. But, uh, you know, Curse um, did a lot, you know, in his time here. He's, he's I guess, what you'd call retired. Um, he's got a life to live. But, you know, one for him, there would be nobody here. There would definitely be no Dickie. He was the one that, that vouched for me in the beginning when Dickie was absolutely nothing. I was still nicknamed Fonzie, and nobody gave me the time of day because they didn't think that I could do it or could make it. And he kept me going. Uh, he kept vouching for me, and it's a good thing he did because I had the time of my life, and and a lot of that, uh, just about all of it, I owe to him. So, yeah, that that's about it. That's the best way to put a cap on it. Uh huh. All right. All right. I guess we'll I guess we'll end it here. If if yeah. you gotta go, D- Dicky. 
yeah, no, I got to take off. I got to go do things. In, in, you know, I got to wrap up the school at, uh, Jesus, it's 1220 in the morning. I got to uh, close up the school and uh, get ready for another weekend of uh, wrestling on uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, I got some things to do. All right. We'll, we'll keep in touch, though. All right. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, for sure. I have a good one. Absolutely. You too, guys. Take care. See you later, guys. Take All care. right. That was cool. That was a good one. That was a great interview, by the way. Yeah. You know? so, thanks again. Thanks for rating our channel. Thank you so much for rating our channel, by the way. So thanks for the raid. I don't think we ever got raided before on, on uh, Dudes at Ringside. Nope, we didn't. But Not that was anybody else. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun. And um, uh, show the guests who the, 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 the guest is for Monday. You want to show the guests for Monday? All right, so yeah. we'll we'll, we'll end it with we'll end it here. So let's show the guests for Monday. What's up, everyone? This is your girl Charisma from Pro Wrestling Revolution in San Jose, California. You are watching and listening to Dudes at Ringside podcast, hosted by Metal Geek and Joe Panther Jr. Enjoy. Well, uh, Geek, you want to say goodbye? So I'm going to do our goodbye. So. You guys don't have to, but you could always donate to us at httpstreamlabs.com, httpstreamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. All right. And I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Thanks for the great guest, Dickie Rods, for telling all his great stories. And I'm going to pass it over to Joe. Yes. I would like to say thank you to my great. Thank you. Always remember, support the indies. If they go buy a t-shirt, go buy any indie t-shirt, even go buy a New York Wrestling Connection t-shirt that we had on tonight. Go buy a Tiki Rides t-shirt and um, support the indies. Please support the indies. They need you right now. And just remember that thank you to my grandfather. Thank you to Pete Sanchez. And thank you, Frank Martinez, the Blue Demon, for lighting the way for all Latino wrestling. Good night, everybody. <laughs>